the Chinese disaster of 2030. I don't know the what Chinese population disaster of 2030. 2030. Adam Curry, John C. Devorah. It's Thursday, January 16, 2014. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination episode 583. This is No Agenda. Counting down to the 2030 Armageddon from FEMA Region 6 here at the Travis I. Todd in Austin, Texas. Texas? Texas? In the morning, everybody. I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where I've just noticed my third red book is full. I don't know what I'll do. I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Craig Watton Buzzkill in the morning. Well, maybe we should uh, incorporate the red book into this brand new system I'm using. Uh-oh. Yeah, no, it's actually it's this it's can't good. be good. No, well, that's you heard me uh, mess up my opening because as I was as I was reading the line, I always write my opening. What? Yeah, I always write my opening. You know, I write the opening. Oh, yeah. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> yeah, right. I still mix it all live. Uh, but oh. but as I'm re- I'm reading it, I'm like, wow, it's so much easier to read. Have you ever had this? <laughs> you read. You're actually. Re- I've had this with teleprompter. Where you're reading something off the teleprompter and you're looking into the camera, but you're thinking something completely different. And as smooth as silk. Except for, yeah, except this wasn't so smooth because I was thinking, I'm going counting down to the 2030 armor again, like, my God, look how beautiful this type font is. This looks really good. <laughs> and then I messed up taxes. I said taxes instead of Texas. Taxes. taxes. Well, there you have it. <laughs> Get Monation. No I remember taxes. the first when I used to do broadcasting when I was young in college yeah. and uh, just after college, and I would you'd read uh, these PSAs and you know these different I, kinds of I, things that hand, hand you. Yeah. And I remember the first time where I was reading it, where I actually felt like I was saying it without reading it. Yeah, I know what you know. What I'm. Just oh yeah, no, it's 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 really. When you get to that level, and I had that, you know, because at MTV it was almost eight years of this. When you get to that level where where they can put like three lines and a and one word, and you can weave in and out of that and talk to people, it really is. It's like, it's like, um, it's it, it's it, great. It, it really is. It makes you feel very powerful. Like whatever happens, <laughs> I, don't I know about that. <laughs> it always made me feel good. Like I got this. I can handle this. No, but if you sound natural, what I was saying, when you actually yeah. feel yeah, yeah, you're sounding exactly. natural, and you're exactly. even though you're reading, yeah, I think that's a kind of an interesting uh, moment. It is indeed, as and opposed it, to some people who just never get to that. They're always reading. Right. It sounds like they're right. reading. Of course, some people may. I think an interesting reverse engineering version of this is to just make it sound like you're reading when you talk. <laughs> yeah. Hi, honey. How are you doing today? How was Hello, your day? Hello, dear. How was your day? How Honey? are you? <laughs> I got to try that. Uh, no, but Dave Jones, uh, who's been working on the Freedom Controller with me for, I, we've been doing this three years now, I think. He delivered uh, the kind of like the next generation. This thing, this software, John, it's almost, it's like, it's like a, a news show in a box thing. It takes you all the way from like a Pinterest for news all the way to show notes, all the way through. It's the No Agenda show runs on this, and it's uh, and, and I just wrote that down on the piece of paper, which will be lost to, to history. <laughs> Pinterest, it's not in Pinterest the for book. news. Was Sorry, it, what what did you write down? Pinterest for news. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I, it's funny because I had that that came to me in the middle of the night, and I emailed myself that. <laughs> I'm like, hey, that's pretty good, actually. That's a pitch. That's a pitch right there. 
Oh, yeah, no, it's a pitch for some money. <laughs> exactly. Hey. Pin- think of it as Pinterest for news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Pinterest for the newsroom, John. For the newsroom is even better than that. Uh, anyway, so um, just to start off, um, I did not uh, watch you on uh, on the Twitch shows live because of the uh, Ms. Mickey and I had decided to watch the Golden Globes um uh on sunday from beginning to end we actually watched the red carpet uh i really uh, i needed to experience some entertainment in my life and well you know luckily here in the west coast and this has been traditional for years because they start at five o'clock for the east coasters and then you get it at, i guess seven. seven yeah seven o'clock uh they play it twice in a row Oh, right. So you get it live so they play, and, and they start over right. again, right? They they start over again at, at eight, eight. So yeah. I didn't have to worry. Right. I knew I was going to miss them because right. I'm doing the show, but then I knew I'd just catch it at eight. So, so here, here's uh, I have no clips or anything. Um, Good. Uh, it, it's not necessary because it was a, the experience in general. Uh, first of all, throughout the entire, every, every acceptance speech, and like, where is the political stuff? I, I don't care if it's pro or, or, or con, it doesn't matter. Can somebody please say something about the state of the world on this this incredible platform? No. Especially with the Golden Globes, which are supposed to be fun and you can do yeah. whatever you want. And, and by the way, it's the Hollywood foreign press. It's about the entire world. It's not just the United States. It's the foreign press. You know the Golden Globes are actually solely owned by Peter Goober? I, uh, is that, I don't know. Is that a fact? Yeah, pre- mm. As far as I can, I know, yeah, he used to do a show with Pete, Peter yeah. Bart on a... On uh, public, public, I'm sorry, public TV. Well, they, they, and Bart kept writing, kept needling him about that. Well, they, they used to be uh, completely corrupt, and I guess they cleaned that up a while ago. But anyway, uh, so uh, two things. The main thing is after we were done, and it was over at ten, it was on time. We, we, I turned off the TV, and both and Mickey and I looked at each other like, "I'm so depressed." And Why? I, I well because for three hours. The television was telling me uh, my family's not perfect. I don't look good. I have the wrong car. I mean, I, fe- I felt like in- <laughs> assaulted by by these ads. And you know, and I'm a sensitive guy in general. And yeah, my family's not perfect, but then, yeah. And then you just see all these commercials with kids. They're all that kids and parents, and everything's great, and they all love each other, and everything's fabulous. And, oh, and then and the kid winds up being an Olympic athlete, and, and you just feel like a shit, like a stupid, no good, low life parent. Who's, who has the wrong car? I don't have a Cadillac. Oh, and, and I don't know what that is. But, <laughs> um, so I, 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 but I, I physically felt depressed. Um, so, you know, this, this is not healthy for you. And I, we, we never watch television, or rarely. So to really go through the whole thing, I don't know how people... No wonder people need all these antidepressants. The television is depressing you. It was, it was really, you know, it was like a, a grand experiment. Well, I kind of sped watch it, so I, I zoomed past the commercials. I know he kind of skipped yeah. around. I, I didn't even see. I probably watched about a third of it. And it was, you know, Tina Fey and her friend are funny oh, to man, a point. Man, man. You know, how many times is it going to remain funny uh, that the, the, these chicks are drunk and making out with uh, with superstars? How, and that's not funny anymore. It's just not. It's not funny. And how many people are understand who Harvey Weinstein is when you're doing inside jokes? No one understands. No one knows who Harvey. It's like some fathead dude there. I don't know who that is. Nah, that this was is no true. There's a little too much inside baseball. The thing that was very that's that kind of hit today 
Um, and I, I believe it stems from a post. Mm, it may have been from the Huffington Post. And, you know, I'm sure they stole it from somewhere else or copied it. Um, the gay community, the LGBTQQ&I, are uh, very outraged at Matthew McConaughey and Jared Leto. And it's it's funny. This is this is just fun. This is how lame the LGBTQQI community really is. They feel that Matthew McConaughey and uh, Jared Leto, who both uh, who both won awards for their uh, uh, starring role and supporting role in the Dallas Buyers Club, which I thought was a very good movie, except at the end there when they they uh, kind of buckled to the pharmaceutical industry and uh, and undid the whole movie by saying, "Oh well, you know." Really, that drug, uh, AZT, it, you know, once we gave people less of it, more people lived. And the whole movie is about that, that um, uh, cancer drug killing AIDS patients, HIV patients. They're all saying, in your acceptance speech, you shouldn't have talked so much about Brazilian waxing. You should have talked about HIV, AIDS, and people dying, man. I'm like, did you watch the movie? The whole movie was a statement about this. And then these guys win, and then and everyone's pissed off because they're talking about how much weight they had to lose or how hard it was to to actually portray these characters. It's sad. <laughs> it's sad. No, it is. It's sad. As, I missed that part. It's one of the bees in the BBs. I did. No, I take it back. I saw McConaughey go up there. Yeah. The guy's a robot. No, he has zero that. charm. He sounds like he's. He does not seem like a person you could go have a drink with. Hmm. Very robotic. Stiff. Everyone's drunk at this thing. I think that's well, that part could of it. be, but he wasn't drunk enough. <laughs> anyway, so I, I'm just. I, I got more about the gay community in general. I got more to bitch about today. Uh oh. Oh yeah. This is oh, not yeah. good. No, no, it's it's very good. Uh, do you want to first start with the obvious? Uh, I have a. Um, I have a clip. Um. That uh, this is this relates to the newsletter and of course the red book since you said it's full. Uh, do you have a clip about uh, about the DEA stuff? Because I have a, a clippage. No, I do not. Okay. Uh, they claim that there were as many as fifty. This, by the way, this this by the way is a very funny report uh, from CNN with Brolf. Uh, and and I say funny because even though we have completely we we this goes back to July of two thousand eleven, I think. Or 12, 12, 11 maybe. I don't know. We, that we were talking well, you know, about actually, it may, may be 11 when we first picked up I think on it, it. I think it may be 11. Um, but whatever the case is, years ago, right. yeah, and, we had, in fact, in the last newsletter, I, I, I think I put a link into the document that we Yes, the, we ac- the actual about. document. So on CNN, of course, this is now blowing up, and I believe it's all part of the uh, Hillary 2016. You know, now it's tit for tat. It's uh, we're gonna we're gonna make you Republicans look bad. We'll make you Democrats look bad. We're gonna make you look bad. We're gonna make you look bad. Oh yeah, well look what I got. I got these documents from the DEA. I'm gonna make you look bad. And of course, CNN can't really make the president or the DEA or Holder or anybody really look bad. So they're gonna discredit it a bit. Uh, they claim that there were as many as 50 meetings between the DEA and operatives from Mexican drug cartels. Now. Before I continue with this, I... By the way, I love it when whenever there's something that has to do with drug cartels from Mexico, bring in the Hispanic reporter, please. This is so, it's so, so obvious what they're doing there over at CNN. I need to tell you exactly how they got their information. Essentially, they took a look at a case 
out of federal court in Chicago. This is the deposition that they mainly base the report on, and the deposition that is... That wasn't a deposition. No, I know. I know. He's lying. He's lying. No, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I don't think he's lying. No, meanwhile, they're, they're, they're showing the documents, and the, the court documents are scrolling by kind of really small on the screen. So they're discrediting the actual evidence from uh, this court case, which we've put in the show notes and we've discussed. An attorney representing a Mexican drug lord in which he claims that he was... He wasn't a, a drug lord. <laughs> well, they're no. getting everything wrong. He wasn't a drug lord. He was, a, he was an enforcer. We're never going to get through this clip. He was mediating between <laughs> the leadership of the Sinaloa drug cartel and the DEA. Now, it is really up for interpretation whether we want to believe what an attorney for a drug cartel says but let me read to you wolf real quick what he told in deposition again this is under oath he said mr loya castro this is the attorney that i'm telling you about stated that agents told them that in exchange the for attorney wasn't under oath <laughs> keep keep you I'm, I'm counting on you to debunk so keep keep talking Unbelievable. ...of rival drug trafficking organizations, the United States government agreed to dismiss the prosecution of the pending case against Mr. Loya Castro, not to interfere with his drug trafficking activities and those of the Sinaloa cartel, not to act... You have to say, and those of the Sinaloa cartel. You have to talk like it is when you're doing, hey, bro, this is the Sinaloa cartel. ...actively prosecute him and prosecute listen him. To, to this. Prosecute him. Prosecute him. Prosecute him. Why can't they have Barbara Starr, you know? Why do they have to have this guy on? It's so because obvious. Because he's the only one who understands. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's racist. Yes, thank you. The leadership of the Sinaloa cartel and not to apprehend them. The agent stated that this arrangement had been approved by high-ranking officials yes. and federal prosecutors. And, Wolf, let me tell you that we have reached out to the DEA. They uh, have no comment on this oh. case, and uh, there's no Mexican official that has validated this. case was filed in 2010. Information so far. Yeah, but we're on the ball now, you see. We're 2010 <laughs> it was filed. Now we're looking at 2014, and these guys at CNN are dragging it into the... Uh. Let's hear Brolf wrap it up. Do we know anything else about uh, these alleged arrangements, including if there was actually any payoffs? Uh, the, the report doesn't specifically talk about payoffs, but it... Yeah, it does. It's very specific. Like, you let us run drugs throughout all of America, give us all of Chicago, and... Uh... I think it meant that... I think, they, I think they're both thinking exchange of money. I don't get why they, that would even come up in the conversation when it's a deal, but yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. talks very specifically about the fact that in exchange for information... Information. The, uh, the operative was going to essentially avoid any type of prosecution benefiting... The, the Mexican drug cartel known as the Sinaloa cartel and providing information to U.S. agents about rival drug cartels, namely Los Cetas cartels and the Gulf cartel. Wolf. Dr. Fauci, uh, thanks so much, uh, as always, for joining us. The guy's a doctor. No, I was just playing the brawl. Playing Brolf. the brawl clip. Yeah, sorry. So stepped. You stepped on it. Good work. Hey, play it again. Come on, come on. <laughs> Good work. Good work there, John. Dr. Fauci, uh, thanks so much, uh, as always, for joining us. Good to be here, Brolf. <laughs> I just it's, it's, it's always funny. It's, it's always good for you. A may cheap not think laugh. those girls making out with the celebrities is funny, but this is always this, funny. This is this is high level comedy. Well, exactly. Uh, do you want to just briefly explain? Since we had this in the red book, we had this in the book uh, more than two years ago. We've discussed it ad nauseum on the show, and I believe, although I wouldn't know exactly where to look. I believe in the show we actually said this will no, this will never come to light. No one's ever going to this. That was actually 
a mistake because we didn't I don't kn- think we said that. I think we said this will go nowhere. I'm pretty sure we said something like I that. I don't remember saying that. Mm-hmm. Whatever the case is, it, it didn't go anywhere, essentially, and now it's cropped up again. For whatever reason, it makes no sense to me at four years after the, almost four years after the fact. I think, I think it's a tit for tat. I mean, this is, I see this continue. So first we slam Biden, then we slam Christie. You know, then we've got to go back. We got to slam. Uh, you know, we- and here, here's what's here's what's interesting about it to me. Mm-hmm. Listening to that report, mm-hmm. nowhere do they mention, which is in the document, as as, as I recall, having looked at it again, uh, is is it mentioned on these news reports that Fast and Furious was a what gun running operation, which explains everything. No, no, of course the not. lost guns. It explains the lost guns because they were never lost. They were literally given to the Sinaloa cartel for to, some to kill the other guys, or whatever. To, no, to, to get rid of the other gang members, which was to get part rid of the, the other gangs and do that. Do that, you know, divide and conquer. Some JC uh, Buskill Jr. mentioned there's a there's a video game that has this or uh, some book or some novel that uses this model huh. of of take uh, just providing one group amongst a lot of groups all the power until they wipe out the other groups and then you wipe them out which is the way it always ends and i'm sure the sinaloa guys think well we can we can avoid that well do you think that that was the the plan all along was to get, uh, to do that and then to wind up wiping out the sinaloa cartel what do you think that was the actual plan cuz yeah now that he mentions the storyline i'm thinking that's probably one of these what do you think a bureaucrat's going to sit around reading all the time? Like, this oh, was, here's you know, my idea. Let's do this. You know what? Um, when we talked about this, a lot of people emailed about this storyline, and I'm pretty sure the chat room will will recall what it was. It was from a TV series. Not a, it, was not, it was a TV okay. series that had this exact storyline. Yeah, well, this is the storyline I think that they're trying to implement. I don't think it's doable. But I, but the the fact that CNN wouldn't mention the Fast and Furious thing, which does explain the whole thing. Uh, you know, I mean, if you look at it as a gun running operation, yeah, okay, now it makes sense that you know they, the guns are all over the place down there that we sent them, and we're behind it, and the agent got killed with a gun, and so they had to kind of change their story. They didn't want to admit they were doing this because the American public doesn't understand something as complicated as this. And I'm sure it sounds great in the meetings. You know, what we're, what we're do? I got a great idea. I saw this TV show. I got a great <laughs> idea. This is this will work. It worked on TV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if, I think, but you uh, know, if if they if if someone just sat down with the American public and did a fireside chat, I don't know. Um, um uh, how about let let Michelle do it? You know, at this point, no one's going to believe Barack. Let Michelle do it. Sit down and say, look, look, listen. Here was the plan. All we wanted to do was we wanted to get rid of all the gangs, so we we picked the guys we thought were the winners, the Sinaloa cartel. We gave them guns. Yeah, we let them traffic some drugs, but we needed the money for the banks anyway. You know, the the exchange. We the, but look, the whole economy is running on the on this drug money from Mexico, and the money comes back into our country. So that's all good for Barclays and and uh, USBC, US whatever. Uh, and then the idea was, once those guys were were the only ones left, then we drone them. And then we'd then we'd be rid of the problem. Yeah. And if and I think most Americans would go, oh well, okay, America, hell yeah. No. No, I don't think so. The public has been you. You're ignoring the fact that after watching those three hours of television, <laughs> the public is nullified. <laughs> it's it's the public has lost it. <laughs> so there was something else that that all of a sudden started happening, and I and and this is a there is 
definitely the powers are at play here. And this, there's no, and I think I have a theory on where it's going. There is no doubt uh, this is moving towards the 2000, well, certainly the 2014, but towards, you know, we need three years at least. Uh, well, it's going to be two now. Uh, for the 2016 election, it's you know time. It's time to start. the The TV networks need the ad revenue. They want. They need the controversy. They need something to start. So now stuff is coming out. And of course, uh, one of the main things that may have gotten snowed under a little bit was this report about the military, um, n- uh, knowing within 15 minutes that the attack on the uh, a consulate in Benghazi was in fact a terror attack. A Senate panel report says the September 11, 2012 attack on a U.S. diplomatic outpost in Benghazi, Libya was preventable. The attack killed the U.S. ambassador to Libya, Christopher Stevens, and three other U.S. government personnel. But the State Department says there was no specific evidence to show that militants were preparing an attack. Now here's the other report. Goes to the heart of the Benghazi matter. Now newly declassified documents. I uh, show that President Obama's closest military advisors knew within 15 minutes it was terrorism on September 11th. Now, let me just remind you of the response from the president in the Rose Garden at the United Nations and from clippity-clop Hillary Clinton. We reject all efforts to denigrate the religious beliefs of others. Some have sought to justify this vicious behavior along with the protest that took place at our embassy in Cairo yesterday as a response to inflammatory material posted on the Internet. That is what we saw play out in the last two weeks. There's a crude and disgusting video sparked (laughs) outrage throughout the Muslim world. (laughs) Now, I have made it clear that the United States government had nothing to do with this video. (laughs) It's so fun to listen to things in retrospect. Nobody um, plays this stuff. No, of course not. Now, now here's something. I think I have a, a theory, and it ties into uh, this report. I'm sure you read this, and and I didn't really look. It's it's not so much about the truth in it, or but it's that Hitler's Mein Kampf, the book, is apparently exploding in ebook sales. And and I'm not quite sure. Sh- I haven't you get this data. It, just Google it. Okay. Amazon, um, is, for some reason, Hitler's Mein Kampf is, that's, that is the, here, ABC News. Hitler's Mein Kampf surges in ebook sales. Hitler, out of Hitler's anti-Semitic political testament, Mein Kampf. I'm not so sure it was only about, I don't think there was, no, anyway. Whatever. Uh, this is written by someone who I don't think read it. It's surging up electronic book bestseller lists. Now, I don't think people are looking for uh, a new Hitler necessary, but I, I do think we need to be on the lookout for something else, and we can just look at history. And I think that this report kind of ties into that. This, is a, this was a, a little collection of what has happened to the military leadership in, the, in these United States, and this is only maybe a third of what's happened since Benghazi. A stunning chain of events. Today, Michael Carey, the two-star general responsible for the nation's three intercontinental ballistic missile wings, fired from his command. The reason? 
personal misbehavior on a military business trip. This comes just 48 hours after President Obama himself relieved the number two in command over the nation's nuclear arsenal over his suspected use of counterfeit poker chips. These follow an alarming string of general officers losing their jobs this year for inappropriate behavior, misconduct, or lack of leadership. Two Marine Corps generals fired less than two weeks ago for not providing proper force protection in Afghanistan. An Army Brigadier General relieved of duty for adultery. An Army two-star general fired for groping a civilian. And in March, a Navy one-star removed for racially insensitive comments and abusive leadership. Now, of course, we know that General Ham was removed. We have uh, admirals being removed since Benghazi. I think the uh, the this administration is very worried not about a new Hitler uh, who would be a national nationalistic uh, figure because that's what Hitler was and uh, by the way it's pretty well documented who funded Hitler and uh, it was uh, without doubt uh, America had a hand in that certainly the Bush family um, they're afraid of a new Napoleon. And Napoleon, of course, was a lieutenant who, who rose through the ranks, and I think they're trying to get rid of anybody who could stand up. You know, the military is no friends with this administration or with this Congress, you know, cutting their promised benefits, etc. And the military, you know, they got to, I don't know, tanks, weapons, guns, <laughs> airplanes, ships. And, uh, and I'm thinking that there still is a chance, and, and you may think I'm nuts, yeah. that General, former General David Petraeus may move to the forefront as the Napoleon who needs to come and and save the nation. Now that, you know, Christie's out of the way, that's not going to happen anymore. I think there's a there's a possibility that that is why this purge is taking place. Anyone who has any type of power whatsoever, get them out of the way quick if they're not loyal. Eh, I don't think so, personally. I just don't see this kind of action taking place. Petraeus, I'm sure, would like to think that himself. Why people are reading Mein Kampf is probably because it's free, I'm guessing, on the on the uh, e-books. I, I, that's, uh, that's it's a, a good read. I mean, I've read it. It's yeah, I've read it, too. Yeah. It's you, a know, good, it's not, you know, for, here's what we should do. We should, uh, I guess, is, is it uh, public domain by now? Well, I don't think Hitler's going to sue you for copyright infringement. Well, then, then we can release. It's a, that technically, it technically, let's see, was done. In the, it could be public domain. I think yeah. it might be. So we could re-release it, and then you know, on, on the cover, it would say, "It's a good read, John C. Dvorak." <laughs> it's a good read. <laughs> yeah, that's what I don't need. I think we should re, we should re-edit it. That would be funny. That would be very funny. <laughs> it's a it's a good Fine read. comedy comp. <laughs> It's probably Big yucks with Hitler. It's probably been done. Mel, Mel Brooks, of course, did History of the World, which was great. And he did a lot of that stuff in there. Um, anyway, I, I, uh, I had a, uh, I had, a, I think, a stroke of genius, which is going to help us retire. I know you're always on the lookout for that, and um, and it is also going to help everyone who is a part of the No Agenda Production family. Start a business that will be very successful. Does this sound like a win-win to you? Uh, well, it doesn't sound like anything but hot air, but go on. Okay. What were the big Armageddon crises of our time? 
I won't go back too far. 2000. What was 2000? I don't know. Of course you know. The the millennial bug. Y2K. All right, Y2K. And what was that basically? Bullshit. Soaking the public. There were billions of dollars made. Maybe hundreds of billions. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, you might as well mention the dot-com collapse in 2001. No, no, no. This is simple because it was just a date. It, all okay. it was was a date. I'm t- look, just dates. Okay, okay, okay. Uh. I'm playing along as best well, I can. All right. What was the next time this scam happened? Uh, 9-11. No, no. A date that, that people were afraid of. That's a date? 9-11? No, no, it's an infamy. No, no, no. No, John. Oh, you don't understand. What? 2012. The Mayan, ca- the Mayan calendar, end of the world. Oh, right, right, 2012, the end of the world. I remember that. Billions, In fact, I billions. talked about this on the show because I went to a meeting with a bunch of these people that were expecting the worst. Billions of dollars made on that. Billions. Oh, yeah. And we even made money on it with Mayan challenge coins. Exactly. Okay, so it's clear that... A great the, coin, by the way. Yeah, it was a, it's a beautiful coin. It's clear that the human psyche likes this. And we like having some doomsday date that, you know, that everyone lives forward to. And, of course, you know, uh, you can make a ton of money and you need about a decade. So that was, you know, between it was 12 years between the Y2K and then we had the 2012. And it was nothing but a date based upon some smorgasbord bullcrap Mayan dumb stuff. And everyone bought into it and it was tons of money. So my idea, 2030. Okay. And, and 2030 is going to be the next date, and it's going to be Armageddon. 2030 is the new 2012. In fact, I've registered the2030club.com, so you can, go, you can go there right now, the2030club.com. And if you Google around for 2030 news stories, it's already happening. Um Obesity apocalypse by 2030, says ABC News. I've got 2030club.com. It says, welcome to WebEye, affordable, reliable the, web host. The, the, Oh, the. Why don't you just get 2030club? Because it was taken by WebEye, whoever you just landed on. <laughs> Hello, don't you think I'm, you think I'm stupid? The yeah, twi- no. The 2030club. The science is in. 2030, we'll see total Armageddon, climate systems, financial systems, food shortage. Yeah, you got the Okay, well, hold on. Now we got to get our consulting meeting here. Okay. First of all, first of all, this all has to be centered on the page. (laughs) This is just a placeholder. (laughs) It has to be centered and it has to be a black background with red fonts. Sorry, you are so right. Yes, it, yes. <laughs> with red letters. Yes, I'm sorry. And maximum font size. <laughs> okay, I'm taking notes. Hold on. <laughs> all centered down the gut. Hold and on. it has to go all the way to China. It's got to be a long, on. no links. Notes. Hold on, hold on. Black background, red letters. And, and then green and yellow letters sometimes. <laughs> flashing, flashing, blinking stuff. No blinking. <laughs> no blinking. And so okay. it goes all the way down, and then all these links are not links. They're they're just f- further down on the same page. So the page is yes, really yes, long. Just, just one very long page. Okay. So, so here's the idea. Well, and by the way, if you want, you can have a few uh, animated GIFs. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And so, you know, you need to, we need to get your cycle book out. 
and just 2030 is the date. Whatever is in there, change <laughs> it. 2030 is the date. We need T-shirts. Everybody can get in on this. And, of course, you can become a member of the 2030 Club starting as of the beginning of January, and you'll be on this list. See, All right. Adam and John are there, so if you donate a total of 2030, then you're in the 2030 Club. This is your website. But if you donate $7.30 a month... By 2030, you'll be a member of the 2030 club. So there's a number of ways just to in get time. there. Yeah, the, just there's a number of ways to get there. Um, my thinking is this is our retirement plan because every you know <laughs> in 16 years we'll want to retire. We'll be tired of this. I think I think that's a good 2030. I think is a good number for you and I to end the show in 2030. And we just need to push the Armageddon. I'm not quite sure which one it's going to be. I have Jobs Apocalypse. 2030, food apocalypse, jobs, apocalypse. jobs po- I have food crisis, 2030, climate crisis, 2030, water, water, water. Ooh, that might be a good one. Water. Let me write that down. Water. So I think we, ju- we just need to own 2030. Whenever someone Googles 2030 Armageddon, 2030 apocalypse, we need to own that. They need to show yeah. up on our black background with red letters. Right, but we can have alternate sites. There's no reason to just have one no, site. Course, no, of course not. And and yeah, we have ten. And all producers can get in on this because they can start twenty thirty businesses, which will make money. And twenty thirty sites. Yes, and then you send us, you know, a little piece of the of the action, and we'll keep. We promise. Our promise is we will propagate twenty thirty as the Armageddon year, and we'll make twenty thirty the new two two thousand twelve, and everybody else can start a business on it. Now, you said that the, there's an alternative ending to the Mayan calendar that was 2030? No, I didn't say that. Oh, well, you just did now. I did. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. The, <laughs> I, no, I, I think that's too flimsy. I like the water. No, no, I think it's just an element. Yeah, but I, no, I like water because no one has really claimed that yet, and it's so unprovable. And I'm sure tons... Oh, water, the water is going to be somehow vanish from the face of the earth. It'll only be bottled water owned by Coca-Cola. No, well, actually, there's already some evidence that they're trying. People are trying to buy up these huge water reservoirs. Well, so the this, bushes have an aquifer yes, in, in Paraguay, Paraguay. Paraguay. So this is perfect. Twenty thirty, the twenty thirty club dot com, and we will. I'm going to change the background. I'll get the red letters going, and it'll just be news about and and I'll, and I will maintain it. I'm happy to do that. With stories about how 2030 Back. is just just going to it's going everything's going to end. I like the way you've got this. It goes climate systems, financial systems, food <laughs> shortages, obesity crisis. Fact. <laughs> well, I, I, and hey, this is with, this is only one half of the consulting group. Imagine when we do a couple meetings on this. Yeah. <laughs> you like? Yeah, no, I do. And you've done that. You've uh, managed to. Uh, come up with these crazy schemes uh, on an occasional basis and they've always been successful and so here here are the the new this is what i'm going to post today so here it is study predicts obesity apocalypse uh by 2030 abc news here's how they start off their article rising obese apocalypse Rising sea levels, flying cars, speculation about what the world will look like a quarter century from now are in no short supply. But if new research released this week is correct, we can at least be sure of one thing. The forecast calls for fatness. Where are you getting that? ABC News. Wow. Released in the journal Obesity, the study suggests that by the year 2030, oh, I got to do a little, nearly every American will be overweight overweight or obese. So that's one. 
Then we have the apocalypse delayed until 20. This is CNET. UK government. Every American will be obese? Yeah. <laughs> we'll be retired, but we'll be fat. Uh, the UK government's chief scientist declares that 2030 will be the year in which food and energy shortages, coupled with population explosion and climate change, will create disaster. I mean, do you need any more headline than that? No, these, that's a good one. These guys are writing it for us. <laughs> or a stray meteorite might smack into the world. Ah, I like that's that too. Beautiful. Beautiful. We're all doomed. Uh, so I think we need, so we'll maintain the 2030 club, the 2030club.com, and uh, you can certainly uh, register domain names and point to this, um, and uh, we'll work on uh, we'll work on some more of the, uh, and I'm just going to put stories there, just, it's, it's, it needs to be the 2030 hub of information, and we'll continue to, to propagate that so you can, everyone else can build a business around it. And oh, there's plenty. Of, there's seminars. I mean, we, there was these 2012 seminars. webinars, baby. What are you talking there about? There were webinars and seminars, <laughs> and these crazy oh, crackpots to get up there and they tell you how it's all going to end. Webinars. And there, I went to this one over. It was in Masonic, uh, over by the seminars. Uh, was that area in San Francisco? Uh, the 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 or Green's restaurant is whatever it is. It's anyway. It's a little whole area. And they had the big meeting there of all these 2012 people. We were actually at a dinner, and then we walked by, and I went in. And meanwhile, you know, my uh, Mimi and Jay, oh, no, shh, shh, don't go in. Uh, so I, so I went in, and the place was crawling with babes. Oh, really? Yeah, these 2012 babes. What a benefit! Thinking, what the heck? Oh, it check Nerds. this. Oh, yeah. Pop Psy, John. Oh my gosh, this stuff is just writing itself. Pop Psy. Surely you've heard of Popsi. 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 MIT predicts world economy will collapse by 2030. Oh, come on. This is beautiful. you got to get your book out. I'm going to put this link in the show notes. This is fabulous. Well, you know what? According to the cycle, uh, what actually happens in 2030? <laughs> this is probably really good stuff. We're done. Yeah, it's all great. Actually, nothing. Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't hear you say that. Okay. Well, talking about that, since you're talking about the obesity thing, so I'm watching this, uh, I'm watching some television, mm -hmm. and let's see what the clip is here. It's uh, history of copyright and making available. How about bit bit Bitcoin crashes 2030? Yeah, that's definitely going to happen. Okay, here, controversy that. over spinning. What? Hold on a second. It's funny, we were just talking Quite about it. Quite disappointed in this. The jury is out. Thank you. Oh, love the docket. Love what was on the docket. A lot on the docket. We missed a good time. Yeah. All right, we're going to move on now to one of the hottest workout trends. Uh, does it make you bigger instead of smaller? Celebrity trainer Tracy Anderson landed in the hot seat after saying that spinning bulks up the thoughts. Oh, Juju Chang yeah. is a spinning fan. She's here with the uh, skinny oh. on the exercise. Juju. Uh, nice one, Robin. Yeah. I am yeah. a fan of spinning. Now, um, as you know, I am an expert in the, in the, the <laughs> Hold on activity of spinning. I had no idea that spinning... Yeah. It's nothing more than a bunch of people getting in a room on stationary bicycles and and pumping away like crazy. That is not true. 
That's what it looks like to me. Right? Would you like you me to You can get your own stationary bicycle in yeah. your house and do yeah. the same thing. Yes, you can. Cheaper. Would you like me to tell you what it really is? No. Okay. But go ahead. No. No. You're just going to mock I've got me. my bigoted opinion on this. Yeah. You just mock you're essentially me. in there with a bunch of women. They're all pumping away, pumping away, pumping away, and you're getting big thighs. No. Okay. No. Uh, there's uh, multiple parts to this. One is for someone who is intimidated by going to a gym where there's a bunch of guys walking around with huge abs and, you know, and there's like a sock in their crotch, you know, it's like, Jesus. What exercise causes that? They, they put a sock in the crotch. Or they're wearing something down and there. By the way, before you continue, let me say this. I was under the impression that I didn't even know what spinning was. I didn't know it was just pumping away. I thought it was some sort of like maybe some yoga-like thing where you're in a room spinning, no. like with your arms out, <laughs> no. spinning around. I'm thinking, well, no. this got to be <laughs> no. I guess why Adam to get into this. He's always had the potential. No, that's not what it is. Um, so the so it is for, and it's mainly for women because it's women mainly who are there. But uh, for guys, it's fabulous because 80 percent of the audience in the spin class are women who already look good. And then you have the the ones who need help and are there for, you know, to lose weight and and they're really nice and you can you can uh, com, you know you can fraternize with them easily cuz they're like, "Hey, you know, you're fraternize you can't you get to move the bicycle around?" No, you're all in a, in a row next to each other. And this, you know, these are these are a very specific type of uh, uh, spin uh, of uh, exercise bicycles. You know, and you can change the friction on the flywheel. Yeah, I understand that. But, but how can you fraternize with anybody you, except the one next to you? That's well, no, you fraternize as you're get going in, as you're coming out, and with the person next to you. And 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 it is really a performance by the trainer um, who puts together a uh, a playlist of songs that have specific rhythms it's it's not unlike going to a club um in fact you all get into the same vibe and there's exercises you do where you're moving up and down standing or using your core crunches using uh you know exercising I your obliques prefer the listeners to the no agenda show who bring their own iPod and listen to the no agenda show while they're at the gym no. You are hurting the show with no, this. No, that is bullshit. This is a very. I'm going to. I'm going to uh, defend this. I'm going to. Def- if you're going to the gym and and running or working out, yeah, you should listen to the No Agenda Show. This is a 45 minute. That's all it is. 45 minute high intensity workout, and I have not seen a bunch of women walking around with huge thighs. In fact, I see nothing but really cute butts, really toned arms. Really nice bodies. Most of them are tiny. They're small. For some reason, spin class attracts tiny women. Um, and I, I myself have lost my entire, almost my entire gut. I have now a, a two-pack instead of uh, one. I'm working towards six. And uh, my chest has expanded by an inch and a half. And I feel really, really good. My circulation is great. I went to the dentist. He said, well, we won't have to rip all your teeth out like we thought because your circulation is really good in your gums. Sex is good. Even at home. <laughs> Come on, that was funny. Um, yeah, that's good. Uh, and so, yeah. but uh, this. All right, okay, I'm done. All right. So this is just a, a, what you're saying, really, 
is that this is actually just a publicity stunt. Yes, for some spinning for thing. the spinning operation, yes. who is which is a yes. commercial operation, yes. and they got some free publicity. Definitely, and good for them. Definitely, exactly. And this was on the Good Morning America yeah. or some you know thing, which is perfect for this audience, for yeah. that audience. Yeah, I, you know, I, I there were two things because I got a couple clips from uh, from the morning shows. You think so? You thought that was dumb. How about this? This is Charlie Rose, ladies and gentlemen. Charlie Rose, the journalist extraordinaire. And listen to this great piece we've got about the Smithsonian. Lady Michelle Obama is marking another fashion milestone. The Smithsonian Institution decided two dresses are better than one. Jan Crawford is in Washington at the National Museum of American History. Jan, good morning. Well, good morning, Charlie, Nora, and Gail. Okay, so the Smithsonian usually only exhibits the first gown that the first lady would wear in oh. her first inaugural ball. Oh, shocker! Of course, this white gown that we all remember Mrs. Obama wore four years ago, that's been on display here for the past few years. Oh. But starting today, Woo. the public will be able to see Mrs. Obama's second oh. inaugural ball gown. And now Woo. Mrs. Obama's shoes also will be on display, but they're a little different than the shoes she wore four years ago. They're by the same designer, Jimmy Choo. And oh, they're hello. red, obviously, to match the red dress. But the big difference is the heel. They're about half as tall as the ones she wore in the first inaugural boss. <sighs> and we can't win an award for a podcast, yet the Jimmy Choo shoes from the second inaugural ball are in the museum. Yeah. And by the way, uh, Jimmy Choo is not a designer, you idiot. Jimmy Choo is the brand, the woman who started that... Uh, is a woman. Her name is not Jimmy. <laughs> ABC went one step further with your tax dollars. It's a very revealing People magazine interview with First Lady Michelle Obama just before her 50th birthday. So honest on a range of topics. Now she already did the uptalk at birthdays. It's starting. Including her take on plastic surgery and Botox. <laughs> We've got an exclusive first look right here. Woo! The big day is fast approaching. One thing we know for sure is that the president has already given an early gift while on the annual family vacation in Hawaii, taking the girls home to Washington, leaving the first lady behind for an extra few days of vacay. Vacay! 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 With some of her close friends, including Oprah. Uh. She looks so fantastic. And just to be clear, Mrs. Obama says she doesn't imagine having plastic surgery, but she's learned never say <laughs> never. Vacay! I thought she was going to say, just to be clear, uh, Mrs. Obama and Mr. Obama are play- paying for the uh, extra plane ride and extra uh, $80,000 a day out of their own pocket. That's what I thought she was going to say. But instead, no, she went back to the uh, the lead about the uh, plastic surgery. Well, if you go to your email, I want you to open up that little thing I sent you on Obama. Yeah, I opened it. And this up. is actually, maybe actually happening. This is actually, it's actually, 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 this uh, notice has been showing up in the National Enquirer, which we know is actually a pretty good operation. They pay yes. for their stories yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, about Obama and Michelle having, uh, you know, at the point of almost getting divorced and having a big fight. Because Obama's yes. fooling around somehow. And this reminds me, I have it in the PR links for today. Uh, Producer Tim registered ObamaDivorce.com for us. Nice. And if you click on, if you go to ObamaDivorce.com, it uh, currently forwards to the No Agenda Show website. Excellent. And, what yes. timing? Yeah. <laughs> well, so t- so go me. to your Google browser and, and click on the images to get to the image browser or just click type in Obama. Titcomb, T-I-T-C-O-M-B. Hold on a second. 
Oh, we're not keep. We, we need to keep up with this. C O C O M B E. No E, just E. I'm, I'm no no E. T I T C O M B. B. All right. Obama titcomb images. So this is his best buddy from high school in Hawaii, supposedly. Yeah, this is the. Isn't he a convicted felon? This guy. No, he p- tried to pick up a whore. Supposedly, yeah, we yeah. never. He got convicted of that. Yeah, in 2011. Yeah. But we did, by the way, there's never a mention of whether the whore was male or female. Can you say prostitute? I mean, it's not really necessary to be so denigrating towards the <laughs> oldest profession. I am the, sorry. He tried to pick up a prostitute, uh, which was a sting operation, and it's never really clear whether it was a male or a female. Right. And I, if you look at these photos with Obama hanging out with this guy. Yeah. That's who he's fooling around with. Is that what you're saying? I didn't say anything of the uh, sort. Uh. But I think the picture, if you had the same layout I do, you would have a, a picture with Obama with his arm over the guy in a peculiar yeah. way. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. The top there. Yeah, and then there's another right. guy that shows up in their golfing, with their golfing. This guy's name is Martin Nesbitt. Yeah. And he's a black guy who shows up on uh, a lot a, of these shots. Looks a bit like uh, Kanye. A little yeah, bit. He has a kind yeah, of a, a little Kanye, Kanye thing. But there's something up. Well, and where's and, Reggie Love in all this? Because Reggie, well, that's what I'm wondering. Yeah. I was, I knew you'd bring that up because I can't find any connection between the, unless Reggie's the middleman or something like that. I have no idea. Hmm. But supposedly, uh, when they went on this the, the December vacation to Hawaii, you mean vacay? There was a blow up. The vacay. The vacay. There was a huge blow up, hmm. and to the point where, and and I guess there were she would uh, Mrs. Obama, who if you find a lot of pictures of her glaring at. Barack glaring <laughs> yeah well that's like, yeah yeah un, un cool glaring yeah uh ever since that little incident with the Danish woman yeah uh they with they've the been selfie. arguing and yeah. when Obama came back on the 747 uh, Michelle refused to be in the same plane with him supposedly according to the right. inquirer right. it and it sounds to me as though it's the secret service because I'm assuming the inquirer isn't making this up because they have a great history of you know, paying people off to tell them yeah, stuff. Yeah, and, and not being sued successfully. Exactly. Uh, they have been sued. Yeah. And once in a while they get for you know, but it's usually minor stuff. It's like this saying somebody was drunk yeah. when they weren't. I'm but putting, it's never I'm, been anything like this, right, like the John this, Edwards thing, I'm for putting example. This, uh, they blew the lid off that. Yeah, I'm putting this into the show notes as well. So they, uh, good, good supposedly stuff. they're in a, they're having, and now, it, now, when this story comes out, this kind of reaffirms, which wasn't wasn't mentioned in the Inquirer story, but it reaffirms that that comment that apparently uh, Obama's or Mrs. Uh, Michelle made to Sarkozy's wife. Ah, like, remember? Yeah. Um, no. Well, the French Vague, guy, vaguely, <laughs> yes. And you the mean the French guy has his hot wife? Yeah, the hot singer real- wife, uh, Carla Bruni. Carla Bruni, who uh, who you who used to bounce on Jagger, Mick Jagger's uh, squeeze She's for a while. Been around. Yeah. Whatever the case was, she, I guess, felt no obligation to keep a girl's secrets and came out in the media. This was like years ago, obviously when Sarkozy was still in office, and said Mrs. Obama's miserable in her marriage. She hates every oh, minute. Oh yes, of it. yes, I do remember that. Yes, she told. Yes, this is about four years ago. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And it just seems to be falling into place, especially with all the glaring looks she gives and all this other stuff. And if you look at these pictures here on the Obama titcomb image yeah. thing, you'll see the three of them sitting together at a, at a basketball game, and you see titcomb, you know, here and there. And yeah. 
just seems to me that uh, this is a lot of stress on a relationship. Yes. This job. And there are certain women that are cut out for it. And certain women like Hillary, who just put up with the bull crap, knowing she's she's got a lock on getting somewhere herself and ditching Bill. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But well, Michelle's got no, no skin in the game. She's not going to be running for president or anything. She doesn't care. No. So I think she's, I think something's up here. I think they may be onto something. And it's that somebody in the Secret Service is, is um, sick of it, I guess. She may not want to fly without the president too often. Yeah, but she, it wasn't that she didn't. She took her own jet yeah. at the same time. She stayed behind. Yeah, you don't want to be flying on that uh, on that uh, Cessna caravan island hopping there in Hawaii with anyone who might have been responsible for a birth certificate or something. You know? Yeah, no, I yeah, actually, that's she probably is under. She probably I doubt she has read the Economic Hitman Confessions no. of an Economic Hitman, no. which discusses this this problem, which is the easiest way to assassinate somebody is to put them in a little plane and then. You know, what is sabotage. the what is the etymology of titcomb as a name? Do you think? Where does this? I come think it's from? British. Yeah, but even if it's British, well, what is what is a titcomb? I don't know. Maybe the, the, in those days, the women in England had very hairy breasts. <laughs> wow, really? You asked me. I mean, it's, it's the best I can come up with. Consult the book of knowledge. Maybe we have it in the book of knowledge. Last uh, Anglo-Saxon origin, dialectal variant of local national name Tidcombe, from a place from a place called Tidcombe. Uh, first recorded uh, in Wilshire, first recorded in the Doomsday Book as Tiddycombe. Huh. Then Tidfrith. Okay, so it's from a place. All right, got it. Oh, good. Um, so All right, the, so that's him. That's nothing. To anyway, this is I thought would fit kind of fits in with what you were talking about a little bit. What you steered me towards is I have to defend my my workout. Let me tell you something, boy. I'm looking good. I'm looking yeah, cut. great. I'm 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 going to be 50 this year, and I feel really good. Okay, I really well, I got all my hair. Yeah, well, that's going to be you'll be the hair will be alive when you're dead. Let's see. Okay. Anyway, so that's why I just wanted to get that in. We'll keep an eye on this. Just keep an eye on uh, Miss, uh, Michelle's glaring at, at Obama. She glares at him. Yeah, and, and keep an eye on the ObamaDivorce.com website value. <laughs> that is going to go up with leaps and bounds, I guarantee it. Well, anyway, thank you for your service. Thank you for your courage. And in the morning, to you, John C. Dvorak. In the morning to you, Adam Curry. In the morning to all ships at sea, boots on the ground, feet in the air, subs in the water, and all the dames and knights out there. In, in the morning to uh, everyone in the chat room, noagendastream.com, noagendachat.net, uh, everybody up there and uh, uh, whittling down their $9.2 million value as an American uh, or as other country human resource. And in the morning to all of our artists, thank you, comic strip blogger, for the artwork in episode 582. Uh, Always looking forward to what we can find at noagendaartgenerator.com, uh, where we, after the show, we pretty much immediately choose the artwork, even before we choose the title. So sometimes uh, we'll look at, we'll be thinking of something in the show. We and then, rarely choose the art, the title first. Never. I don't think we've ever done no, it. Never. And we, and if we, and the title never reflects on the artwork. So the artwork is kind of a title by itself. And right. today. Yeah. In the credits, we're uh, since uh, I'm trying a new system, instead of nashownotes.com, we're trying something new, maybe temporary. We'll see what we do. It's noagendanotes.com. 
So today's uh, episode show notes will be at 583.noagendanotes.com, which I also think is easier to remember. Are you going to have a redundantly at the other site, too? Yes, of course. Duh. Okay. Duh. Uh, com, And uh, this is the new uh, the new system that uh, Dave Jones has uh, helped me put together. He's, he, actually, he's done all the work. <laughs> I just say, it doesn't work. Make it like this. I'm, I'm pretty good at that, apparently. Yeah, that's called uh, supervising. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, supervising, exactly. Um, so, you know, of course, uh, we don't have money to pay people like National Enquirer. Uh, we don't get any money from advertisers that will help you remove your cellulite. No, but we follow all this stuff. It, 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 it takes time and we effort. Do. We and we do. can follow the National Enquirer and then deconstruct what they have to say and then Correct. also uh, add some analysis. Correct. And I also watched the entire testimony of the president's panel on the NSA. I have a couple of clips from that. Uh, oh, good. Yeah, and I think a, a pretty big a catch. I think I got a catch out of it. So that's the kind of stuff we do. You know, we watch, and then there was the Ukraine panel with uh, Victoria Newland. So all of that stuff we're able to do because of the support of our producers, and we always love to credit our executive producers and associate executive producers at the top of the show, because uh, they're the ones that uh, that really you know bring in the money, just like Hollywood, and you get the credit. The credits are in these brand new show notes, uh, as well as uh, uh, accepted anywhere show notes are are, are valid. Uh, such as your LinkedIn. Yes, but we account. always have to remember a $5 subscription is just as important. Just as, or you- just as important, exactly. Let's thank a few of these guys. We have a curious balance today. We have one, two, three, four, five, six executive producers and one lone associate executive producer right. from Norway. That is interesting. Brett Mahoney came in with $500 from North Quincy, Massachusetts. Nuts. Been a longtime boner not donating to the show because of my low college income. Now, there you have it. What does a college that, that was an excuse because a I'm a veteran getting paid by the government to go to college, oh. and most of my money goes for food and alcohol. <laughs> Not necessarily in that order, sir. Good man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I heard from a person in North Attleboro, Massachusetts, nuts that donated and show 582, and I felt I needed to donate. I felt I needed to donate. Consider this donation towards towards both my knighthood, towards both my knighthood and what. As the money rolls in over the next few months of my last semesters of college, I will donate to make both knighthoods complete. He oh, wants a couple of knighthoods. Yeah, maybe he's doing it for his girlfriend or wife. Or something. Mm-hmm. I'll just drink less alcohol to make up for <laughs> no, it. No, no, eat less food. You have a in choice. The morning to, uh, in the morning to all No Agenda listeners in Massachusetts. In the morning. In the morning back at you, Brett. Thank you very much. Highly appreciated. You will be uh, executive producer for episode 583. And so will Nathan Craddock in Los Angeles, California. Uh, hey, fellas, it's been a year since I started uh, to listen to the No Agenda show and thought I should make a donation and commemorate my vacation and support the best podcast in the universe. The global cooling discussion has been awesome. And then he had some more stuff. Then he sent me an email with the finishing the note off, which was mostly complaining about the, he thinks he got truncated. I couldn't find it looks like he got donation. It looks like he got truncated. Yeah, yeah, but and it got truncated short because most people like the one before was extremely long. So I, I'm not absolutely sure what happened. And since he's in here, let me uh, let me go get that email. Sorry. Do you have it? Yeah, it's it's here. I got to do a quick search because <laughs> I didn't think he. I thought it, it got truncated because he never because the donation didn't go through. But not sure. Uh, go to here. Please, uh, truncated. 
Uh, it's been a year since he goes on. My father's always been a skeptic about global warming. He worked for years for the California Department of Water Resources and later as a director for water and resource conservation for Butte County. He basically thought all weathermen were dummies and most climate scientists were bought and paid for by the government or big business. He always said we humans have short-term thinking. He told me how many times about tree core samples that showed California had been through 500 years of drought in the past and lest we forget. But Yosemite has been carved out by glaciers. Talk about climate change. There's more stories from him about how screwed up our climate data is, but I'll save that for a future donation. Thank you for your courage, grit, and determination. Uh, hope this helps. That's, that's, that's very nice. Say hi to your dad. And, uh, yeah, go figure. <laughs> go figure. Yeah, it's the way it works. Mikhailovich Roman in St. Petersburg, Russia. Three fifty-five forty. That is the exact amount every Russian citizen spent on super on the stupid Winter Olympics. Three hundred fifty-five dollars <laughs> and forty cents. Yeah, like fifty billion euros or something. So far, <laughs> yeah, we got some. We got some. News. The military police retired ones. Isn't that nice? From Russia with hate and bullying. It's legal here yet. <laughs> I got I I have a lot of F Russia stuff to talk about today. If Beth you... Borison in Tucson, Arizona, three thirty three thirty three. Heil boys. Heil sword play. <laughs> karma to all for the great twenty fourteen. Okay, happy to hand out some karma. Sword play. You've got karma. Not quite sure what she means. Sword play. Yeah, she means she's getting knighted. Oh, damned. Yes, of course. I see it's blue. I'm sorry, I missed the I missed the the obvious color coding on the spreadsheet. Sir Random Hillbillies here with three hundred thirty three dollars and thirty three cents from good old Elkins, West Virginia, and he says no comment. Uh, thank you, Sir Random Hillbilly. Always there in a pinch, despite your water being undrinkable. Now this says loan. Isn't this Joan Emrich? Loan Emrich. I think it's. Would that be a capital I? Maybe it's Ian. Eon. 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 Maybe you finally get to say Eon. I I feel bad. I don't know. I don't know if that's... Well, Emrich, send us a note so we know what's what's going on with your name. 33333 is in Brook Park, Ohio. Happy New Year, mofos. That probably means that is a male. Women never say that. Keep hitting people in the mouth in 2014, too. P.S. I think I should have been a knight since mid-last year. I'm also a monthly subscriber, but I assume a little more grease to stimulate the process won't hurt. So do we want to knight him today? Um, well, I don't know. He didn't send any accounting. He just made the statement that he should be. Yeah, I don't have, I mean, Eric's pretty good about this, and I don't have anything for him on the list. Um, I'm I'm happy to do it, but he needs to uh, talk to the back office, I think. All right, we'll put it off. Yeah. We have at least one knighting today. Yeah, he's waited this long, so... And, and, yeah, you waited this long. And this we'll is a look. reminder, people, that please do not be emailing us and saying, Ah, you didn't knight me! So now, you have to keep track it's of... It's that your, same guy again. It's that guy. you got to keep track of your own accounting and just let us know. You know we, we can. It's easy for us to check. We, you just need to help us out. And we're happy to do that. Yeah, we believe you. Thomas uh, Wyhe, I believe. I think it's Via. Although he's in Via. Norway, so there might be a... Screwball pronunciation. I would say Vija. 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 Thomas yeah, Vija. sounds right. Yeah. Thomas Vija uh, in uh, Nersnens. Nersnens. I don't know how to pronounce that either. 
in Norway. At 200 bucks, he's no comment. I didn't see a note from him, but if he has one, he can send it in later. We'll read it when we get the chance. Those are our executive producers and the one associate executive producer for show 583. We want to thank these people profusely, along with all the others who contributed to the show for this uh, particular show on Thursday. And remind you to go to Dvorak.org slash NA for... Uh, to continue contributing and helping us out. Indeed, and a reminder, under the PR uh, section in the show notes, uh, you'll find uh, information about the first New York-New Jersey meetup, uh, which we spoke about on a previous episode. And uh, again, thanks to producer Tim for registering and forwarding ObamaDivorce.com to the website for the best podcast in the universe. Dvorak.org. Slash N-A. Those are real credits, people. Use them wisely. And please help us propagate the formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. Is that a pepper mill or what is that? It's the marching soldiers. Oh. Oh, what the is ja- it actually? What is it? I'm what is it I'm doing? The jack boots. That's what that is. It's the jack boots. Jack boots. Hey, you know this um, is a crystal geyser Alpine spring water cheap plastic bottle. Okay, they're made of this cheap plastic. Mm-hmm. And when you squeeze it, they make a noise. I um I got a lot of uh, feedback on the universal basic income. Yeah, also referred to uh, by Nixon and others as, as the reverse income tax. Or, as an experiment in Scandinavia, Mincom. Mincom? Mincom, yes. There was a <laughs> famous experiment in 1974. They took a town of, I think it's 30,000 people in Scandinavia, and for a number of years gave everyone a standard Mincom. And um, it was only three years ago that someone discovered the, uh, all the data from this test, which they never turned into a report. And, uh, of course, immediately conspiracy theories uh, come about and say, well, why didn't they do that? Well, um, who was this woman who uh, in 19, no, in 2004, Evelyn Forget, which is funny by itself, Dr. Evelyn Forget uh, conducted an analysis of the program in 2009 and here's what she found. Not only were new mothers and teenagers working substantially less, uh, mothers with newborns stopped working because they wanted to stay at home longer with their babies. Teenagers worked less. They weren't under as much pressure to support the families, which resulted in more teenagers graduating. In addition, those who continued to work were given more opportunities to choose what type of work they did. She found that in the period that Mincom was administered, hospital visits dropped 8.5%, fewer incidences of work-related injuries, fewer emergency room visits from car accidents and domestic abuse, a reduction in rates of psychiatric hospitalization, number of mental illness-related consultations uh, decreased, uh, working hours dropped 1% for men, 3% for women. Uh, in, in all, uh, it, uh, the report says that it was very successful. Um, there, what was your last name again? Forget. I'm sorry. No, no. What was your last name? You forgot. Our, what, what? What is it? Switzerland. You really, you're really killing me here. You should have put your Photoshop yourself in with the three stooges on your newsletter because you'd fit right in. Beep, boop. There's a and there's quite a number of uh, people who think this is a very good idea, and uh, I don't think it's by accident that this is uh, being discussed right now because of the. Uh, 
the resurgence of the war on poverty. Uh, was it uh, Roosevelt? The anniversary. Yes. Was it Roosevelt who um, who did this 40 years Lyndon ago? Johnson. Jo- was it Johnson, really? Yeah. The Austonian? Um, uh, Switzerland has something similar. Someone told me Norway had something like this, but I couldn't find any evidence of that. And, of course, uh, the European Union is trying on an individual level, because they can't do it on a national level, uh, to get some kind of income going. And this has also been analyzed um, for the United States. And the analysis that I've read says that we could give every man, woman, child in the United States a mincom, which means it would be enough for you to live on without doing anything, and it would only cost about 25% of the defense budget. Now, all of this is just academic, and I have no idea. You know, I'm just reading stuff. Um, I have to say that if you really look at all the hassle, because, of course, everything would go away, John. You know, Social Security... Uh, unemployment benefits. You know, Lots of bureaucracies would be shut, shuttered. You know, all bureaucracies, which is why I think it'll never happen, because you know who would want to give up the bonanza of being a part of the welfare system in providing welfare? That would be. I mean, that would it would it would shut down a lot of waste. And um, I don't know. I can't really. I would love to see some real studies on this. Or why don't we just do it here and there? Why, why doesn't the state just do this and see what happens? Is it? Do you think it I'm work. nuts? Yes. Maybe may what would, it would happen? It, it would, would work. It would change. <laughs> it would work. The structure of things so drastically, we'd have less policing. We'd yeah. have less juvenile delinquency. We'd have less. We'd have better educated kids because now they could afford to have their you know teeth cleaned. Yeah. And on and on, and it would be. It wouldn't work. The the system. The corporate corporate system wouldn't really function the way we like it to function, which is <laughs> yeah. to have a. Kind of a a, a crime ridden, scare of the public. Yeah, <laughs> freak, you know, just just more fun the way it is. Hey, it would, you know what? It would end our show, but at least we could eat. <laughs> it would end the show. <laughs> the show would be over. I thought it was really, and I, I of course the the main thing is how do you pay for it? And this is where there's a couple ways. One would be the your wealth tax idea, which you know you've harped on for many years. But the reason, um, I think the elites could, there is a way for them to, to buy into this by um, levying consumption tax. And I would just say, why don't you just make it carbon tax? So then you win. You know, you can stop the, the climate change bull crap. You want, the, you want the carbon tax? Here you go. Here's the carbon tax. So you can tax people, but everyone gets enough money to live. And then the elites make out like crazy because they're stealing all the money from the carbon tax and the carbon exchange and whatever. But then everybody kind of, you know, maybe we'll have, there'll be lots of people doing podcasts, painting, making music. Is this, a, do I sound like a crazy commie when I say this? Hello? Okay. <laughs> uh, well, that was it, everybody. Uh, John quit the show. Okay, did you hang up on me? Uh, no, my computer did. Did you fi- did eight, Windows 8 finally reboot? I don't know. It, 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 I, maybe, but it was past the hour. So I, what happened was the, a, a message came up on the big giant, the new blue screen of death. I've never seen it before. Uh, and it's, and it's, it's a much better font. <laughs> and it says, 
It says, your PC has a problem, and then it just killed it. Wow. Well, right now, you sound, uh, there's, there's a new sound to your signal. Oh, that's not good. No, it sounds a little bit like, um, hmm, eh, like you got something, like your disc is corrupted or something. Uh, it may straighten out because it was doing a recovery of a bunch of shit. It's still booting, so. All right, okay. So uh, I'll I'll restate the question. It, no, no. You, where you were, where, let me. Yes. Oh, I see. Okay. Here it is. Here's a message. Your license to use this evaluation version of Windows has expired. Yeah, and, and your PC. Why can't restart. this happen during Dvorak Horowitz Unplugged? Why on this show? Your PC will restart in one hour and continue to restart every two hours. Oh, we got through the show easy then. Yeah, Never but mind. you sound like crap. Now this, congrats. Well, I don't think this, this sound will straighten out. Okay. Well, congratulations. Uh, you successfully ruined the show. <laughs> I didn't ruin the show. <laughs> Let me reiterate what you were saying. Which was that be, with this with this min? I don't like that word, by the way. I'd rather have reverse income tax or guaranteed income or something like that. Universal basic wage or income seems to be the the main. Uh, there'll be a term. lot more art. Yeah, art. Uh, uh, there'll be a lot more. Yeah, just art in general. Books, music, uh, yeah. visual art. Uh, the the yeah. world will be a beautiful place. Unicorns, rainbows. It sounds yeah. utopian. I agree. In fact, this is the definition of utopia. I believe. Oh, mm. well, that's a drawback. Hey, it's, it, you, it's, okay, well, it's your own fault, so I don't care how you sound. Well, why don't you just call me, call it's, me? It's, this is not a Skype problem, my friend. This is a, a, an audio busing problem. I, I know the difference. Okay, well, let me take a look at what we got here for our, uh... Something, something screwy. Anyway. Call call technical info. Well, there's no packet loss or anything. No, there's not. It's something with your audio setup. It's with your USB audio setup. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, okay. I know I'm you a, know I'm what a you're professional. <laughs> I am a professional. Hold on a second. Why don't you call It's still probably still booting, so why don't you just call me back immediately, and then we'll see what happens. Okay, we're back. Yeah, no, I know. It's, the other day I was trying to call John to test uh, his cable modem, and then... Uh, and I keep getting rejected. I'm like, well, okay, douche, whatever. You know, it's, I get it. You don't have time for me. And then I get an email from Mimi. He says, hey, you know, the Skype was ringing and so was you. I had no time for you. <laughs> she was in the middle of something. That's exactly what she said. <laughs> yeah. She said, I had no time for that. And by the way, She's... you were right. The, the sound went away. So. Okay. Good. Very good. Good job. Good work. All right, so universal basic income. Yeah, a uh, very interesting idea. I uh, got Sir Gene, uh, the sheriff of Texas, in the in the back channel. It says, the minimum free pay would never work in a free society. It only works in a prison. Happy to explain the economics of this on Saturday. I was an economics major for a while. Oh, please. I was an economics major. <laughs> an economics major, so what? <laughs> No offense, Gene, but let me see. There's some guy in Switzerland, and Miss Mickey heard him on um, on NPR. Shut up with your fucking phone! It's just, this is annoying me. And there he goes, Mister Tourette's. Sorry, it is the Tourette's. What is that phone? <sighs> when you, I thought it would be, you know, you get Time Warner cable, and I said, oh yeah, I'll, I'll take the phone from you. And they oh. immediately sell your name and number to everybody in the universe. Time Warner Cable are a-holes. 
Okay, okay. so this is uh, an article Onward. from November 12th, 2013. Switzerland's proposal to pay people for being alive. And the guy who uh, is proposing this is a guy named Schmidt. What's his, uh, what's his first name? And by the way, that's very interesting, this kind of bigoted wording, paying people to be alive. Well, that's the not- New York Times. That's the New York Times headline. That's terrible. It's not the way it should be uh, presented. Presented, yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, it's... Uh, Taking responsibility for your own citizenry. How's that for a way yeah. of presenting it? It seems to me that it would... Uh, it, was it reverse income tax? Very interesting. Because if you look at all of the the all the programs, all the things that, that are split out and, by the way, are being skimmed, by, you know, uh, just skimmed, you know the 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 EBT cards. Just everything is being skimmed and scammed, and people are lying. And the stigma. If, and you take all. It would probably cost us less. No, there's just no doubt about it. But is that not, is that is that not the, is that not the kind of the definition of a socialistic or Marxist system, or is this does that not compare? Because we kind different. of yeah. Because we're kind of already doing it. We're just doing it in p- bits and pieces, and it has a lot of overhead. Yeah, the overhead's got to go. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I'm going to keep my eye free on transportation it. while you're at it. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think we'd have that. That I think. No, I think we should. No, I think that should go away. I mean, you get your money, and then you have to pay your own transportation. But it no, would. let that be free too. Why? Now that's not. Now you're talking crazy. Now you're oh, talking please. commies. Of course it's free not. Free in France. Commies, my case in point. No, but, well, it's not really free in France, but but, but they don't have it's a like universal. If you go to Venice. Let me give a little little travel tip. My occasional travel tip. Mm. So you go to Venice, and there's these. You get around Venice on these. You can get a taxi, but most people mm. get on these buses called Vaporettos, mm. and they are just a giant. It's just like a little ferry boat. It holds about maybe a couple hundred. I don't know, hundred people. I don't know how many it holds, but it's big, and it goes from bus stop to bus stop. There's these bus stops on the water. And you can buy a day pass if you're a tourist, or you can have little, little tickets, or you can just get on and off the thing. And, you know, nobody ever, I've never seen anyone check. I mean, well, I suppose once in a million years somebody comes on and checks for tickets, but generally speaking, I've never seen it. You just get on, get yes, off, get John, on. John, I understand, but when you're giving people money to live, that is the whole point. Then you make your choices and let someone else put together the transportation company, and then, you know, people can buy a ticket. It's either minimum, minimum, either minimum, basic wage, and everything, or nothing. You know, just it benefits everybody to have free public uh, transportation. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. I've I've lived in countries where so-called free it's crap. And it's not it's just because there's not a mincom country. <laughs> I can barely say. That, I need to move to a mincom country. That's mincom. <laughs> really got to try. It has this. a slightly a slightly obscene sound to it. I like it. I'm I'm kind of yeah I'm kind of I'm kind of into it. Miss Mickey and I are thinking about maybe going to a European country for a month this summer, maybe Spain or something. Yeah, Spain's great. Yeah, if you don't if you don't mind the uh, you know the riots, they have a high they have high speed internet everywhere in Spain. Uh, well, where you'd be probably hmm. unless you're going to be out. The- well, we were thinking maybe we could go to one of the islands. Is actually what we were thinking. Oh, well, forget it. <laughs> forget what? High speed internet? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It'd be fun. 
something something else. We still live it up in Barcelona. Maybe we need to get out. We need to go to. I think Europe is important for us to go and have boots on the ground this summer uh, to you know to feel what's going on. Don't you agree? Yeah, you get a, a different feel for things. I think it's a good idea. Barcelona's cool. Go there. All right. I watched a very long session um, with the panel that made the 40, 36, 47 uh, recommendations to the president. Is this the one that was the surveillance panel? I don't think it was called the surveillance panel, no. Because oh, I've watched a long panel, too, and it had all these same, the same, it had, did it have uh, Richard Clark? Yes, Clark, Sunstein. Yes, that's the panel I saw. Morell. It was very long, and oh. it was, and most of it was about uh, Section 215. Right, and Sunstein is the worst. Well, I have, yes, I have, I have some interesting clips that I pulled from this, and I think I found something pretty big, which... Uh, was given away almost near the end of the two hours, which was, oh, I was happy because yeah, because you know, I watched the whole thing, and I'd like to remind everybody that we're all taught. Everyone's like, oh, it's ever since Grand Greenwell and uh, Snowden, and everyone's oh, Section two fifteen, oh, metadata. Uh, if you go to section two fifteen dot org, you will see that this is a no agenda show website created May twenty eighth two thousand eleven. Uh, so just, I'd like to point out that uh, your little no agenda show is all over this stuff from day one. So we, so we, you know, we're on the ball, and now all of a sudden, for the past what, ooh, six months, the world knows about it. So Mike Morell, I think it's Morell, who is the uh, the outgoing uh, number two in command at the CIA. Um, these guys well, are yes. I want to mention. I what, what he had like the most mixed messages. Yes, he did. He came on and he said, "Well, this is terrible. These NSA guys are horrible people." And then he went on and he said, "You know, they're pretty good guys." And it was back and forth. And it was like watching a tennis match with one guy playing himself. He, I he, found it very yeah. disturbing. It's yeah. almost like he had like somebody electrodes hooked to him. Yeah. And he had to change his yes. story. Yeah, Morell is clearly MK Ultra. He also he wrote an op ed. Um, and this was referred to several times throughout the session, yes. where he said, had we had Section 215 metadata uh, storing, then 9-11 would not have happened. And, you know, it was like, and everyone else on the panel was like, uh, yeah. Yeah, even Richard Clark could <laughs> buy into that one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but what's interesting is that these so-called recommendations, which we have read for you, we've marked them up for you, we've discussed them on the show, we told you, if it does anything, it makes it easier this is no slap down of the NSA. This is no no penalty. This is making it easier. And this was confirmed. General Alexander testified to us that in 09, uh, the NSA... This is very funny, by the way. Feinstein gets really miffed here at uh, Leahy, who was running, uh, running the show. Uh, did, in fact, go to the FISA court and found that it took nine days, nine. average, uh, to be able to collect the information that was necessary. Are you aware of that? No, ma'am. Well, that's according to testimony by General Alexander. We also know... My time is up. Is that what you're saying to me? <laughs> she looks at him like, my time is up. Is that what you're saying to me? Really? Really? Is that what you're saying to me? My time is up? I saw this. Just, this was disgusting. Let me finish. Of course. I really appreciate Thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, she's so insincere. He can be very strict. 
Oh, this is little tit for tat there. Um, this was used after the fact in the Boston bombing. But here's the difference. The Boston, they used emergency powers. Now, this is what, listen to the point she's trying to make. She's trying to make the point that uh, it took Alexander, Kaiser Alexander says it took nine days to get approval from the FISA court uh, to get into the metadata. That's too long. And then she's saying, well, but they used emergency for something after it happened at Boston. And then uh, Morell is going to say something fascinating. And they were able to get information quickly. This is used to prevent an attack. So those of us that see it important to prevent another attack, I don't need to tell you, terrorism is up, groups have metastasized. <laughs> Hold on. John, did you know that terrorism is up? Groups have no, metastasized. I didn't know that they metastasized. <laughs> it's a cancer, I tell it's you. It's become brain cancer. cancer. We know they'll come after us if they can. They, oh, well, hold on a second. Write that down. We know they will come after us. The boogeyman is out to get you. Feinstein says so. There's a real litany here of fact. Fact! So the question comes... Do you not find value, substantial value, in being able to prevent this attack? So I find substantial value in any tool that helps us prevent attacks. Too well. I believe that 215 um, carries the potential to prevent attacks, and okay. that's why I think it needs to continue. Um, but one of the, the important issues, I think, is the question of efficacy for us did not really impact our view on the change in approach to the program. Um, we do not believe that we're going to add a substantial burden to the government um, by making the changes we are suggesting. In fact, if something can't be done quicker than nine days, then they need to make some changes to make that happen. We also wrote into our report an emergency provision so that in, in, in an emergency situation, when the intelligence community knows they need to move quickly, they'll be able to query the data um, without a court order um, going to the court after the fact. All right, so this is exactly what we read in I the documentation. It. So essentially, in, they made it easier. It's easier. Yeah. So, hey, you we know go what? Go to the court afterwards. Afterwards. Go, just go, go get the warrant later. Don't worry about it. Shoot the guy and then go see yeah, if you get can some shoot permission. Him. Cass Sunstein, um, I, I got a clip from him. This group. A Cass Sunstein, Professor Sunstein, married to uh, Powers, the uh, the current, uh, the new ambassador to the United Nations, uh, who, thank God for all the evil he is, at least is losing his hair. I mean, at least his looks are going. Because I hope the guy suffers somehow for being such an incredible shill and really, really just a no good guy. I've read his his white papers where he says he said infiltrate uh, you know, the online forums and chat rooms and podcasts and and basically commit COINTEL pro you know evil man Sunstein. But as I was listening to him, and, and by the way, he messes this up in this. Uh, he says something that um, mm, who catches it? I I'm not can't remember who catches what he says. But his speech is really weird. He, it's like he's groaning the whole time. Did you catch this? No. He can, listen to it. Are you aware, has the NSA ever done surveillance on members of Congress or other elected no, Americans? What? That's Mike Lee. Yes, Mike Lee. But uh, Sunstein is going to answer the question with his... Nah, nah. Officials. 
Uh, we are not aware of any such. And uh, one of the things we learned uh, in our review is that there's no targeting by the NSA of people because of their political views or their religious convictions or their or, or their political party. So in terms of concretely uh, uh, some details, we... Do you hear, do you hear his voice? You, we uh, may not have... Uh, precise... <laughs> I'm not doing that, by the way. It's like he has some kind of Tourette's. He's like, uh, uh, some details we we uh, may not have. Uh, <laughs> what is that, John? <laughs> is that him? That yes. sounds like you're doing no, that. No, that's him. It's coming out of his throat. Okay, now just play a part of it and don't say anything. In terms of concretely uh, uh, some details we... we uh, May not have uh, what? That's precise. him. Wait, I'm just, now be now you be quiet because it doesn't stop. It keeps going. Uh, may not have uh, precise questions that every one of which we have off the off the top of the mind answers to, but. Uh, politics, religion, political views, that's not what they're interested in. I think whenever he's lying is when that happens. <laughs> That is weird because I watched him testify and I did not, but I didn't clip it. Yeah. Because I was I'm still watching it. Right, I'll right. eventually pull some clips myself of, probably for the next show. But this is an example of, did you hear this when you were seeing him or only when you were after only the clip? Only when I, when I uh, saw, I, I, I saw this, this piece of testimony. I rewound it because it's on uh, cspan.gov, com, org, net, org, foo. And uh, and then I hit the recorder, and then I played it, and I turn up the volume because you know I, the kitchen is right next door to the to my little uh, studio here to go get something to drink, and that's when I heard it, and I wasn't watching the video. I'm like, holy crap! But I'm also sensitive to to ticks and stuff like that because you know I have Tourette's, so I, I was I'm like, and it must be because he's lying. That is very weird, isn't it? Yeah, because I watched him, I didn't hear that, but now that. Now I'm hearing it. It's just creepy. I, now I'll, when I see him again, I'll I'll notice it. <laughs> right. Did you notice that? For one thing, he, he he. This is good because he bypassed Mike Lee's question. Well, he actually Mike and, Lee actually comes back and nails him on what he says. Okay. So, well, I I do have a he did he pulled an interesting trick here, which is kind of funny. But go on. Let me. Uh, there's about a minute here. I'm rewinding a bit so we can hear some of the and then listen to uh, Lee catching him in what he said. Uh, may not have uh, precise questions that every one of which we have off the off the top of the mind answers to but uh, politics religion political views that's not what they're interested in now notice he says politics religion political views that that's not what the NSA is interested in oh really I thought from the kitchen where I'm getting my drink oh really please somebody do something just one small thing and this is that little Weasley lawyer boy on the right and he of course is thinking like a lawyer he's like Oh, hold on a second. Just so you know, we're only talking about this administration, not about like, you know, the church committee. And of course, you know, the CIA, when they were when they basically were really spying on everybody all the time. Um, we're talking about in recent years. We're not talking about back in the 60s and 70s when there was a different What's history. He jumping about- in because he's a lawyer. And the question was, if you recall, did you spy on Congress? And of course, it was happening in the 60s and 70s. And oh, yes, I'm sorry. It stopped after that. Because we had the church commission, and yeah, we, we figured it all out. No one went to jail. Nothing happened. But we stopped all that. So just so you know, we know what happened then, but it's not happening now. Intelligence agencies doing things that got exposed. No, no, I, I mean in, in current years. Um, I, although I do want to clarify, Professor Sunstein, one thing you said about religious views. 
Um, I assume you would agree that a commitment to jihad would not qualify as a religious view and, and indeed would be a political position and embrace of violence that merits very close scrutiny to prevent that violence from being yes, carried if, out. If, this is very interesting what happened here. And I think that this will, this at some point in the future, maybe 10 years from now, this will be discussed. Because what Sunstein clearly said is the NSA is not out to uh, find out about your political views, your religious views. And what Lee is saying is, hold on a second, crazy jihadists, which is a radical Islam. It's a religion. It's a religious belief. He's saying, well, that doesn't count. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Only the crazy religious uh, belief like is radical Islam doesn't count. Every other crazy one is okay? This is very critical what's happening here, and no one's pointing this out. If there's a reason to believe the person is threatening to the United States, that would not fall within protected religious belief. Oh, okay. So, you, freedom of religion, unless we think you're crazy. This would probably fall into political, too. That's why I think Occupy was targeted. Yes. But the, but the little interesting gotcha that Sunstein pulled here was... Instead of directly answering the question, he yes. said, mm -hmm. and I just wrote it down, there is no targeting of these, of political, of Congress, Congress or anybody Congress, else, no yeah. targeting by the NSA. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's all of that is so subtle. And that's why the other guy jumped in just to cover their ass once again. Right. So, the yeah, the NSA is not the guys who have been already busted for tax evasion and other things using NSA data. We, what, the question should have been, has anybody, is anybody being targeted using NSA data. Yes, exactly. By any agency right. whatsoever. Yeah, that's yeah. the question. Well, so that that's the big gotcha that I'm going to get to. Um, that this whole thing was was weird because they had votes going on at the same time and it was it was like a tag team wrestling match and all of a sudden Right, that's when Feinstein came in at the late in the game. Right. And but, she didn't hear anything up no. to there. She just came in there to boost the pontificate, NSA pontificate. and boost herself. And, but, by, by doing the old sales trick. Don't you, yeah. Adam, don't you agree that agree, Diane yeah. Feinstein came at the last minute, Adam? Don't yeah. you agree yeah. that she came? Don't you agree that, yeah. don't you agree this and yes. don't you agree that? Well, and Al Franken did it, it took it one step higher. All of a sudden, he was in charge of the meeting, and he essentially says, I'm so happy to see that your recommendations are the same that I have in my transparency bill on the subcommittee that I chair and then he he goes into this weird it was it was very strange where he's basically promoting and I think it was smart actually because if anyone's going to no one picks this stuff up except us but if anyone were to pick up a soundbite or he his PR people could reuse it and say he's basically having the NSA panel confirm that Al Franken is a smart guy something like that and here's a bit of it uh, I'm going to just continue to drill down. On oh, yeah. Uh, I, it's funny because he asked a question and then he was going to move on. But then someone put a piece of paper down and then he says, uh, uh, I'm going to continue to drill down on this. I think he, he's a teleprompter reader. He may not actually 
have a brain, is what I'm thinking. That was very weird to see someone prompt him to do something. On the, this first recommendation, uh, because it's different from what the administration has been saying and is saying. Your report calls for the government to say how many people have had their information collected. My bill uh, calls for the government to say how many people have had their information collected. Yet last November, representatives from the office of the Director of National Intelligence and the NSA came before the subcommittee on, on privacy technology and the law, which I chair. And See, he's, uh, this guy is a little, I don't know, John, he's irritating me. He's saying, I'm so glad you agree with me, but you know, no one else agrees with me. I don't know. It's testify that it would be, quote, difficult, if not impossible, for the government to say how many people have had their information collected under these authorities. Now listen to his question. Mr. Swire, uh, did the administration communicate this concern to you? Uh, if so, why did you find it unpersuasive? <laughs> so he knows the answer. Did they communicate this to you? If so, why did you find it unpersuasive? He knows the answer already. What script is this? Uh, thank I you, don't sir. know, but we know that these are scripted because we've already seen when somebody goes off script or doesn't yeah. read the script. Yeah. I'm going to move forward a little bit in this thing to Franken. Basically, his his message is protect Silicon Valley. Senator, um let me just move forward. In a some detail, administrates a small number of customers for uh, people who's, who's being served a security yeah. problem. I think when it comes to the um, and people are one person. Uh, okay, so well, here we go. Uh, I'm, I'm out of my time, and, and as you can see, we're having another vote. So we will recess uh, for five minutes for another vote. Before, but for this, first, this commercial. Before we do, I just want to, uh, Mr. Sunstein, uh, just reiterate this thing about the the the. Uh, the company's, uh, the, their ability to disclose because it is hurting them. And uh, we had a, uh, a, an analytics firm, Forrester, so the American cloud computing industry stands to lose up to $180 billion by 2016 as a result of increased distrust of their services, particularly abroad. So. Oh, boo-hoo! Boo-hoo! <laughs> Screw them! <laughs> yeah, you but you bunch of you know they 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 give your data to everybody. Screw them. Screw them. I don't give a crap about them. All right. I don't understand how anybody overseas, in particular, let alone Americans, would use these services. Well, they're not. This is this is hello. This is the this is the now you know this is why Silicon Valley Go is long on Seagate <laughs> drives. All right, I have this two. This is not uh, this is not a recommendation. No. You consult your advisor. <laughs> I have two more. Uh, one is the big payoff, which just blew me away, and it took me. It takes us back decades to what's really going on, and it was. I think it was a mistake. It was not supposed to come out. Everyone was tired. But first, we have Senator Sessions, and Sessions. This man needs to be voted out of office. You need to vote this guy out. Where's where? What state is he from, John Sessions? What is uh, one of the southern states? Isn't he Arkansas or Alabama? Yeah, Alabama. Ouch! Insult the book of knowledge. Yeah, you do that. Um. So he is talking with Stone, who is the uh, constitutional law professor from Chicago. I like Stone, by the way. I'm changing my my stance on him. I think he's a. I think he actually is a pretty good guy. I didn't know you had a stance on him. I thought the whole panel were a bunch of yahoos and jagoffs. Uh, but the Stone guy, I don't know. I kind of like him. Now, when you hear how the lack of knowledge of something 
as basic as cloud versus local, where data is stored, and what that really should mean constitutionally or even technically speaking. Sessions, Jeff Sessions from Alabama. Douche Sessions. When you're comparing this to the metadata, you're talking about, so this is stunned. about millions of Americans' records swept up. No oh, subpoena. No, wait a minute. Swept up. No subpoena. Uh, somewhere in a computer. No subpoena has ever been allowed to reach that breadth that happens under the metadata program. So I think the, the, the analogy is no, simply a flawed analogy. And looking at every record uh, uh, that's there, they have to have some sort of uh, uh, indicia that uh, the sub is valid. Of <laughs> what is Sessions saying? Who is this? This is Sessions. The guy's an idiot. <laughs> he does this a couple times. He and goes, why is he defending them? Because he's oh, supposed no, to be querying no, them. No, he's defending it. This is why you have to vote him out. Now listen to his. This is like a series he's supposed of to be questioning them, no. not defending them. No, no, no. Why doesn't he go sit at the table? He's going to defend it throughout this entire thing. He's fighting it. And, but the way he's doing it is like he's going, No subpoena has ever been allowed to reach that breadth that happens under the metadata program. So I think the, the, the analogy is simply a flawed analogy. And looking at every record uh, uh, that's there, they have to have some sort of uh, uh, indicia that uh, the sub is valid, uh, valuable for on investigation. I agree. I agree with the distinguished gentleman from uh, Alabama. Whatever he said. Uh, even inquire into it. Yes, but you were drawing an analogy to the subpoena. And what I'm saying is that the subpoena traditionally has to be relatively narrowly drawn to particular information directly relevant to a particular inquiry. And the metadata program does, in fact, elicit vast amounts of, of data far beyond anything that any subpoena in the history of the world has well, been allowed to I gather. Know. I love Stone. This is Stone. He's saying, hey, you know, this is far beyond anything in the history of the world in the world of subpoenas. So he's he's kind of a good guy. Now listen to Sessions. He's going to give us the, techno the technological analysis of why Stone clearly is full of crap. Okay. Let's get this straight. So the metadata comes in and it's the only difference is it was in the computers of the phone company, but for easier access, it's put in the uh, uh, computer of the governments. Oh, oh, okay. Let's get this straight. I hate to do a southern accent there, but this guy is really... So there's no... It was just for easier access because, you know, no one has ever heard of an API or ODBC connection or... No, no, just for e we just copied it all over to the government system for easier access. Clearly, that's, that's what what could go wrong somewhere, and the inquiries only go to those records, just like they would have gone to the phone company. The only difference is for convenience and computer <laughs> uh, uh, access, it was uh, <laughs> the government can get it quicker, and because some of these issues are life and death. Okay, so here, here's uh, your senator. Hello, Alabama. Vote this guy out. His reasoning is it's okay to put private individual citizen data on government computer systems to be analyzed because it's life and death. We have to get to these records quicker. Does this guy think it's like on a floppy disk or something? 
I don't know what this guy's thinking. As the Supreme Court, five justices at least, of the Supreme Court have explicitly recognized a year ago, um, there are limits that technology now has um, called into play about how far this doctrine that if you, if you disclose information to somebody else that you have no reasonable expectation of privacy in the information. So in the Jones case, uh, five justices, including Justice Alito, in a very important opinion, uh, suggested that that basic principle that, as you say, was around for a long time, has to be called into question when you get into a world where technology allows... That to this day. He's going to go defend it again, John. Have they? Say, excuse me? Say they called in the question. No holding no. has been so held. He's, he's basically, no holding has been so held. In other words, that's not been proven, or I guess there's no, no Supreme Court statement. No, and indeed nothing we say has anything to do with the Constitution. I don't see any difference, really. No difference. Uh, you're accessing the same records, whether you get them from uh, the phone company or whether they're in bulk. Right. In the, bulk. Uh, bulk at uh, Costco. Uh, or accessible account. Sad, you hear Sunstein? Here comes Sunstein. Sunstein and he's going to give away what the whole idea is as we predicted on this show. Sunstein. If this is helpful, I think the direction you're going in is actually quite compatible with our recommendation. Mm -hmm. So our recommendation is not that we eliminate the 215 program, Uh but that we have a program where the government doesn't have all this stuff, which the government doesn't in the cases you worked on as a prosecutor or district attorney. It doesn't just have it. It gets access to it on a certain showing. And that's exactly the model that we're suggesting. And what we suggest is that that model won't compromise any national security goal, because in cases where time is of the essence, human life is on the line, you can get get at it like that. And because in cases where it isn't on the line, you go through the standard legal process. So the analogy from tradition, to which you rightly refer, that is actually what we're building on in our recommendation. My time is up. My time is up. I don't care. I was just here to just tell you that I know anything about hard drives. All right, these are these clips are a little long. Granted, By the way, but a, a sessions full name, yeah, which I don't. It should be voted out just for having just, this name, <laughs> just no for the name alone. The Southern monarchs, yeah. Jefferson Beauregard Sessions the <laughs> Third, Beauregard, Jefferson Floppy Disk Beauregard. Um, actually, I, I made a mistake. I there was w- something I wanted to mention in this hearing that cropped up once, and, it, and I, I'm going to have to go re-listen to this and get a clip of it, but. One of the senators actually brought up, and then they was basically shouted down by everybody. What good is all this bull crap when it didn't stop the Boston bomber? Yes. It didn't yeah. stop the guy in yes. the, the Navy Yard guy. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't. St- all this, all these things have happened with all these programs in place, and they couldn't stop these simple things that you know. And the excuse was, well, you know, the Boston bombers. He didn't, he were didn't in, make it. No, he didn't you know, make a call. No, contact, no, the Boston bombers. That guy followed up with saying, "Look, the guy was in. These guys were in contact with the Russians. Aren't we following?" And no. then they brought it. The one they really got to was. I wish I could remember. No, no, I, 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 Mike Lee, I know, I know, ex- I know exactly. Says, I know exactly. You know the yeah. shooting, the hospital shooting by the doctor Hassan or whatever yes. his name was. Yeah, yeah. The guy was in constant contact with the Awlaki guy. Yeah. yeah. Communicating with him, and nobody. Did a sir? Did nobody picked up on this? What good is this program? Yeah, and and I couldn't clip it because that nobody whole, answered that. No, and the whole question was five minutes, and there was no answer. And the in the Boston bombing. Uh, hello? hello, do you not hear me? Hello, hello, hello. Uh, I thought he couldn't hear me. Hello, John, do you hear me? Hasn't been an hour. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. 
I don't know what's going on. Uh, hold on. So essentially, on the Boston bombing, uh, Morell said uh, they never called. And then the senator who was asking the question, and I think it might have been Cruz, actually, who I have. Oh, it was Cruz. And I got to tell you, I was impressed with Cruz's performance. And and yeah. I don't know much. I, I looked up Cruz in the Book of Knowledge. This is no slouch. I, I mean, if you believe what everyone says, oh, that idiot from Texas, that crazy fuck. Right. I agree with you. This guy, he was Solicitor General. I mean, he, he I was, just do not believe he is presentable as a presidential candidate because he's got a s- weird look about him. It, well, he's uh, well. Th- that's racist because, of course, he's uh, uh, he's Hispanic. So the weird look about him, just saying that would be could be deemed racist. Okay. Um, so, uh, but you know, but this is part of the thing. So he was born in Canada, Canada, Calgary. Uh, but then essentially grew up. He's, uh, his dad is uh, and, you know, his dad. Like these people went through hell to you know working for fifty cents a week. You know it's a real tear jerking story. And he went through. Um, uh, he became. Uh, he went to Princeton, cum laude, Harvard Law School. Uh, was the in fact he was so good on the debate team at Princeton they named a debate team prize after him. This guy is no slouch. Um, no, I agree. But he gets a, he gets a real bad rap, and he had, he was asking some very good questions like that. Uh, but of course, he got no answers, and he was also just kind of sitting in. And then he's like, "All right, time for me to go vote." Uh, so I have, I have the final blow up blow up clip from Clark. But first, Grassley, uh, and and I think this is an important clip because once again, this is Stone, uh, the constitutional lawyer from Chicago, uh, who essentially blows the lid off the importance of metadata. Uh, so what we know about metadata is, you know, it you can find out what number called what number and for how long. Well, do you remember that the beginning of the whole hearing, that's ex, the CIA guy, the second-in-command guy, the yeah. robot. Morel, yeah. He essentially said that when he was the first guy they asked anything to, or one of them, and he yes. says, oh, metadata is everything. You can get everything from metadata. It's not just some numbers. It's like right. you can do – you got the – everything is connected to it. Well, here's Stone – really speaking in plain English, which I think probably was a mistake, uh, but no one watches this but us, so it doesn't matter. But let me uh, read a lead-in. One of the changes that your report recommends concerning the te- telephony uh, metadata program is that a private third party or parties hold the metadata instead of the NSA. But we've seen many ins- recent instances where companies like Target and Nyman Marcus have been unable to... <laughs> Guess where Grassley doesn't shop? <laughs> he doesn't shop at <laughs> Neiman Marcus because it's Nyman Marcus. Protect private data. My constituents would be very concerned about privacy issues. So any one of you, but hopefully not all of you, because I want to ask one more question. What was the group's assessment of the privacy risks associated with your recommendation that the metadata be stirred, stored in stirred. private hands? Stirred. And did you speak to the telephone companies to explore whether they are willing or able to hold the metadata. So I, maybe you're talking about the same bit here, because this it wasn't uh, Morel, but this is Stone, and he's going to tell us just what you can do with this. It's crazy when, when he explains it. Um, we did uh, speak with the telephone companies about that, and they obviously would rather not um, hold that data. Um, our judgment about the government holding the data is that the primary danger 
of the 215 telephony metadata program is not if it is used only in the way in which its use is authorized, but that it, it, it leaves sitting out there a huge amount of information, personal information about Americans that could, could be abused in awful ways. And the question is how to avoid that potential abuse. And one of the ways we decided it makes sense to avoid that is to take it out of the hands of government. The concern of the Fourth Amendment, the concern of our, our constitutional history, is that government can do far more harm if it abuses information in its possession than private entities can. And therefore, our judgment was that um, the government should not have possession of this information, um, because if it does, there's always the possibility of someone coming along down the road, seeing this as a great opportunity to get uh, political dirt on, on, on individuals, um, on, on their activities, on their organizations, their associations, uh, and that that's a danger that we want to avoid. Um, on the other hand, we do believe that the data is useful, and the idea was to find a way that would enable the government to have access to the data, but, but minimize the risk that it could be abused in that way. And our judgment was that keeping it in private hands would still pose, as you say, <laughs> privacy risks, um, but the privacy risks would be of a very different order, and they would be much less in the sense of the kind of abuse that, uh, historically, we're most concerned about with the government. What could possibly go wrong? Put it in private hands. Nothing could go wrong. No abuse could ever take place there. That could not happen. All right, here's the kicker. This is the one that I don't think you saw because you, you probably bailed. Uh, it was right at the end, and I was so close myself. This is Clark, who had been very quiet. Richard Clark, who is, uh, what's his, uh, he has a big consultancy, and he's basically a yeah, seller he's gonna, of, what is he? He's going to make out whatever the case. Yeah. And he blew the lid off this. And, and all of a sudden, I'm like, what? Section 215 is is kindergarten, ladies and gentlemen. Metadata kindergarten this is this is kindergarten section 702 and section 215 uh, and these are both sections about which there's been a lot of uh, public debate and discussion but the review group also recommends greater government disclosure about these and other surveillance authorities it possesses but the report appropriately and understandably does not itself disclose any additional uh, programs what review if any did the group make of undisclosed programs um, or could you at least comment about whether lessons learned from such review is, in fact, reflected in the report? Okay, so let's just understand what the answer is going to be in the next 30 seconds. The question is, did you only look at these two programs, the 712 or 710, was it 710? 12. Section, 702. 702. Mm, the 700-something. Yeah, and uh, now... Seven, yeah, section two fifteen. Two fifteen. Did you only look at these two, or were there other things that, of course, you know, you can, you couldn't disclose that you also looked at other information uh, gathering uh, systems? And Clark's answer was astounding. Well, I think there's a great deal of metadata collected by the National Security Letter Program, uh, and we do speak to that in the recommendations. And there's also a great deal of uh, communications. Uh, related information collected under the Executive Order 12333. Um, public attention is focused on 215, but 215 produces a small percentage of the overall data that's collected. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Executive Order 12333. Executive Order by Ronald Reagan. Wow. Executive Order 12333, Section 2.3, Collection of Information. 
Agencies within the intelligence community are authorized to collect, retain, or disseminate information concerning United States persons in accordance with procedures established by the head of the agency concerned and approved by the Attorney General, consistent with authorities provided by Part 1 of this order. Hello? Basically, there's an executive order stemming from Ronald Reagan's time that says you can go and collect anything you want as long as the head of the agency approves it. Those procedures shall permit collection, retention, and dissemination of the following types of information. Information that is publicly available or collected with the consent of the person concerned. Oh, hello, Facebook, Twitter, Google. It's right there. Yeah, and in the terms of service, you've given consent. Yeah, you've given consent. And it may be interesting to note that it's possible that when you gave consent to Facebook, you may have given blanket consent. Oh, most definitely. Outside of Facebook. Information consent. So when you sign up for Facebook, you may have been, you may have implicitly given, and I think think a, a judge would say this, implicitly given away everything, all your secrets. According to this executive order, uh, as long as it is publicly available or has been collected with the consent of the person concerned. Of course, if you're giving it, it's being collected with the consent of the person concerned. Uh, B. Information constituting foreign intelligence or counterintelligence, including such information concerning corporations or other commercial organizations. There's your spying. Collection within the United States of foreign intelligence not otherwise obtainable shall be undertaken by the FBI. And we know that the FBI walks around the offices of Facebook. C. Information obtained in the course of lawful foreign intelligence, counterintelligence, intelligence narcotics, or intelligence terrorism investigation. Information needed to protect the safety of any persons or organizations, including those who are targets, victims, or hostages. Information needed to protect foreign intelligence. This thing, this is, and this is what Clark is referring to. This executive order essentially says, you can, the, the, the limit. anything you want as long as the head of the agency and the attorney general approve it. So here's the, here's the follow-up question. Now, now you, I didn't see the end of this, but you're going to tell me <laughs> after I, yeah. I give you the follow-up question, you're going to tell me, yes, that's exactly what they asked. Okay. And this would be Feinstein. Uh, would be, she was already should gone. Be, she should be at the table, and it should be directed to her. So because the 702 and, uh, what, 215 are, are just as tip of the iceberg, the real action is in the 12333. That means that all this has been going on since Reagan. Thus, 9-11 should have been prevented. Why wasn't it? <laughs> It's funny, John, but no one asked that question. Oh, huh. It's the first question that comes to mind. This is, uh, and Richard Clark, of course, he has based his entire career on this executive order. Um, And there's some collection techniques, what can and cannot be done. Um, and And it has the same wording. Agencies are not authorized to use such techniques as electronic surveillance, unconsented physical search, mail surveillance, physical surveillance, or monitoring devices unless they are in accordance with procedures established by the head of the agency concerned and approved by the attorney general. There you go. So 
essentially they're saying you can't do it unless the head of the agency says yes and the attorney general says yes. Which means two guys, two guys with the key. CIA. And just, yeah, CIA and, and, and Holder. So you got two guys holding yeah. the keys to the, to the Brennan, button. That you, yeah, Brennan and Holder. And it doesn't yeah. say here, but essentially those two guys can also <laughs> kill you with a drone because they're the ones that are doing it. Yeah. And it says everywhere, CIA is not allowed to search personal property of non-United States persons inside the United States or of United States persons inside the United States. That's when the FBI takes over, which is makes sense. That's what the FBI is for. The FBI does all of that internally, and they are subservient, or they're supposed to be subservient to the CIA, which kind of explains the six-week cycle. Because these guys have to show the boss all the time that, yeah, we're doing good, boss. We're doing good. We got some terrorists here. We got terrorists. Well, we got the cycle coming up on us. Today's the 16th. We're two weeks away. Well, jumping from that uh, depressing little presentation... <laughs> we have uh, Gates and his book. Uh-huh. And by the way, what happened to him? Well, as you recall, he uh, he fell down the stairs and fractured uh, his neck. Okay. Well, that is that is the story. So he's there with this weird thing around him. It's not a normal neck brace. It's a huge, giant thing. It's like one of those. And things he's that- actually showing up on TV to p- plug his book. Yeah, so one of those things you put on a dog so he can't uh, bite himself. Yeah. <laughs> One of those funnels. Yes, and Gates occasionally does try to bite himself, and it's weird to see. So here's a little uh, – I have two clips. He, he showed up on, on the NewsHour, and and I want to just play this clip, first clip, which is Poole's verbal stunt, to point out a verbal stunt that we should all be listening for. And, again, I'm watching it on television. I didn't catch it then. This is really a problem. But as soon as I pulled the clip and started listening to it, just uh, – just sound only. I, I oh, so obvious what he's what he did here, but it, this is interesting. Right? Abroad over the National Security Agency's surveillance practices, especially since the Edward Snowden revelations. Do you think that the NSA, in many of its programs and practices, has gone too far? The question is whether NSA developed capabilities and applied those capabilities that went beyond the guidelines or the the left and right curbs, if you will, uh, that the president and the Congress expected and were briefed on. Yeah, that's that is uh, I think we've probably discussed this uh, this trick before. It's a very good one. You just ask me a question. uh, Did you eat the cookies? The question is whether or not I like ice cream. <laughs> yeah, that's how you do it. That that is the the hallmark of a professional, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> now, there's a couple of things about this whole report. One was the timing of the answer and the response. He was not on a satellite link, or this was highly edited, which I suspect it was. Because he would come in way too quick. I, you know, you watch enough of this stuff. You know the timing. I cut a lot of these. I cut a lot of the sound, missing, you know, the, the dead air out of these clips. There was no dead air at all. It was mm-hmm. He actually came in too quick. He was in the studio. He was either seated, seated in the studio, which means this was a fraud. Mm-hmm. Possible. Because he could have been seated right across from her because they do have guests sitting. They sit right there. He could have done that, but no. But it was actually so tight, even if he was in the studio, it was too tight. Mm, Uh, It was almost like it was clipped together. And there's also, 
they, they went back and forth between him and Judy, and his blink rate, they would put the camera on her for five, ten seconds. She would not blink. They would put the camera on him for five to ten seconds, at least a hundred blinks. Ah, no, another giveaway, another telltale yeah. sign of... Many triple and quadruple blinks. Which is very much Nixonian. Hmm. And so he was blinking like a madman. I, I noticed this was one good reason to see the video. But And then he cut back to her, no blinks. Same mm. period of time. Back mm. to him, blink, 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 blink like a right, madman. Right. So, so he was stooging some way or full of crap or whatever. And, it, and so here's the part two of the clip where uh, he goes on about uh, – he slams Snowden, which I suppose he had to do. And then she asks him an interesting question, which he weasels out of. And – and there was mixed uh, analysis of this, whether it was a pro-Hillary or anti-Hillary book. And it, 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 in the law, after I listened to all the analysis, it was definitely a Hillary hit job for on, on, on Biden and some other things, which we already determined. But anyway, please. And that's why I think that the White House review and the congressional review are so important. And if the program did go beyond those guidelines, did go beyond those limits, to get it back within those limits, and if, in fact, there were people who knowingly went beyond what the president had approved, uh, that, that they'd be held accountable. How much damage do you think these revelations have done? And, and do you think Snowden is a traitor? By the way, I'm just listening to that. That was an edit, John. So I'm thinking that this was uh, uh, produced and cut down. That I could hear. <coughs> I could hear a very specific audio edit there. All right, that confirms what I was thinking. Right. Okay. Let me just roll that back just a little bit, and then I'll shut up and we'll listen to it. You can hear it very clearly. Relations have done. Mm, hold on a little further. Uh, that that they be held accountable. How much damage do you think these revelations have done? And and do you think Snowden is a traitor or a hero? I think that the revelations have done a lot of damage. They sounds like they have the potential to do a lot more. Uh, I think he's a traitor. Uh, we you know we built we spent forty years building institutions of oversight for intelligence since the mid nineteen seventies, in the Congress, in the executive branch, and in the judiciary. Uh, there are multiple avenues. Uh, to, for people who believe that the rules are being broken or that the law is being broken uh, to pursue in order to bring those problems to authorities who can evaluate whether or not uh, the, the, uh, somebody is breaking the law in the intelligence community. Yeah, yeah exactly. Tell yep. that to William Binney yeah. and all these other guys who were, tried to go through channels and they got and ended up ruining their lives. Yeah. Or, uh, as we've pointed out, the so-called whistleblower paths that the president only uh, that he had signed into law but were not enacted until nine months after uh, Snowden, the so-called Snowden leaks. There, and there, it was not available. It was, it was not enacted yet, these, uh, these uh, paths. He knew it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, by the way, I, I just wanted to, just a quick call back to the, uh, the the CIA and the FBI collecting all of your information. That's that, the end of the clip. Yeah, that's Sorry. that's all there was. Yeah. Where's the other part? That's all there was, bro. Bro, bro, no, bro. Okay, well, let me just put the other part out. Let me just say it so I can finish that sex section. She asks him that she asks him. She says Patrick Moynihan once said that anyone who still 
that worked for an administration and then writes a tell-all book during the administration is a, is a low life. How do you respond to that? Oh, and, what and he you- says, it was mostly, I was mostly critical of myself. And he goes on and on and he makes some excuse. And then he, then he says that, and he named about eight books coming out hmm. from all these other guys that are all been into Obamaites before the end of this, this thing. This is going to be very interesting to watch. What's, uh, what's annoying to me is that these people have not even read the book. So I now have a copy of the book and I'm going to read it. I re- one, one guy I ran into read the book. And? Well, he had some, he just thought, I mean, I can't summarize for him. I haven't read the book either, but I, I, I was listening to uh, Face the Nation, or what's the show with Chip on it? Yeah, uh, Talk to the Press. Whatever it's called. <laughs> and one guy, the whole group, they're all pontificating about one thing or another. And they, one guy had read the book, some guy from Bloomberg, and he uh, says, you know, you're kind of right, you're kind of wrong about some of this stuff. And yeah. what was the point of talking about it if you haven't read the damn book? Anyway, go on. Well, there's a couple things. First, I just wanted to, just because I had it written down about the CIA and the FBI collecting, under executive order, collecting all of your publicly available information. If you've ever wondered why Google continuously, and I think, um, I'm pretty sure Facebook does this, and Yahoo probably does it as well. They're always saying, yeah, why don't you give us your cell phone number so we can, like, you know, have double verification? And text you so, you know, if you ever lose your login, these people are connecting your phone record to their to their database. Yeah, and you've voluntarily you're given voluntarily it up. giving it up, exactly. But something else happened. Well, Your Honor, if he hadn't voluntarily given it up, we yeah. wouldn't have used it. <laughs> something else happened which is interesting is um Daniel Ellsberg from the Pentagon Papers. Um, made a big deal and went on all the shows and a New York Times article about them welcoming Edward Snowden to the board of directors of the Freedom of the Press Foundation. <laughs> now, I want to just remind everybody what the Freedom <laughs> of the Press Foundation is. This is uh, f- co-founded by Laura Poitras, Glenn Greenwald, Daniel Ellsberg, and uh, what's the actor? The... Uh, Cusack, John Cusack. Oh, Cusack, right. Yeah, Barlow's in there somewhere. Uh, and I want to remind you that this is funded 100% by Mother Jones. All right? They say it on their website that they are, they only live by the good graces of, uh, and it's actually, it's not, um, <clears throat> that's doing business as Mother Jones. Hold on a second. What is the... Uh, what is the name of the organization? Um, hold on. Press Freedom Foundation. It says it right there on their website, which is just hilarious. Down at the bottom, the Freedom of Press Foundation is made possible by the fiscal sponsorship of the Foundation for National Progress, doing business as Mother Jones. Okay? So Mother Jones is not, you know, they get a lot of money, $9 million a year. <laughs> You know, this is not necessarily a, uh, a, uh, a neutral organization in my book. So that just needs to be pointed out. And, and, and what this is all good for, I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand. Did you, did, did you, do you have any thoughts on this, John? No, none at all. I think we'd beat it to death already mm-hmm. that there's something's up with those guys, and we don't know what it is necessarily except somebody's making money at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I, well, they're probably going to do some kind of. Uh, I guess we'll be turning our icons dark pretty soon. Are they going to have a? They're going to have a meeting with Snowden. They're going to go all to Russia. It sounds like they're going to do a boondoggle and I'll go some, to Russia and yeah. meet with him. <laughs> yeah, what yeah. you think? Yeah, something like that. Hey, be fun. Hey, Mother Jones, give us some money. We got to go to Russia. We got to have a party. I mean, a meeting. Yeah, Mother Jones. I have, um, I obviously I'm going to have to do something about this Windows 8 thing because it keeps sending me messages. <laughs> I have a, I found a new buzzword or something that I think the Republicans are going to try uh-huh. to tie to Hillary. Okay. I've never heard this before. <laughs> okay. It came right out of Rance Priebus's mouth. Okay. He was on the Chip show, mm-hmm. Chip Gregory. Yeah, which is uh, um, the press. Face pre- the nation. Fa- or face, meet fa- the press. Meet face- the press. <laughs> sure. It's meet the pre- Face the press. <laughs> talk to the press. Now, he's going to talk a little bit about the book, the Gates book. He's going to talk a little bit about Hillary. And I'm after he's done with this, after this clip is over, I want you to tell me, because it's pretty obvious, what the new approach is going to be, especially the the one single buzz term uh, which he can't resist uh, pretty much revealing. Hillary Clinton, the Secretary of State, told the president that her opposition to the 2007 surge in Iraq had been political because she was facing him in the Iowa primary. The president conceded vaguely that opposition to the Iraq surge had been political. To hear the two of them making these admissions and in front of me was as surprising as it was dismaying. Uh, certainly... Progressive liberal Democrats may have an issue with her taking that position, as reported by Robert Gates. How do you view it? Um, I think she's a political person. And I think what this country is starving for are real, authentic people that want to serve this country with a pure heart. And when they read these things about Hillary Clinton, when they examine her life, uh, they question it. And I think that this is something that is going to be potentially on the ballot coming 2016 and surrounds Hillary Clinton wherever she goes. Is she real? Is she authentic? Is she genuine? Does she want to serve this country with a pure heart? I think she's political, and I think that Robert Gates' book shows that once again. Wow. Is she real? Is she pure? Pure heart. Pure heart. Yeah, he said it twice. He said it twice. Uh, I think this is going to be the, this is where they're going to go after her as a phony mm-hmm. and an insincere phony with and who doesn't have a pure heart. <laughs> it's just like okay, well, let's see how this one works out for you guys. Well, I like the uh, the, the meme that flows on kind of on the back of that about her her enemy hit list. Yeah, yeah right. The, uh, Hillary, two thousand the hit list because I noticed that, but I didn't get around to, to pulling the uh, the article. Yeah, uh, Hillary Clinton's 2008 presidential campaign kept a detailed list of party colleagues who staffers believe had betrayed her during the long and bitter primary battle with President Obama, a new book reveals. The list included rankings (laughs) with those who were considered the most egregious traitors by Clinton loyalists. This is very Nixonian. Uh, Totally. Then-Senator John Kerry, who would ultimately succeed Clinton as Secretary of State in the Obama administration, was among those who received the blackest of black marks. <laughs> yeah. I can just see a little scribble. That, that big-headed shit. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Who else? Uh, Edward Kennedy. Well, of course, he's dead. Oh, yeah, he turned on. He should be at the top of the list. He really turned on her. Uh, Jay Rockefeller, Bob Casey, Patrick Leahy. As well as uh, Chris Van Hollen, Democrat from Maryland, Rob Andrews, Baron Hill. 
Um, and this book, HRC, is uh, scheduled to be published February 11th. So that's another one of those books. But, you know, you just see the the reporting. What is this? This other report is from... Mm, oh, this is The Blaze, which, of course, is totally right-wing. Uh, Hillary Clinton has secret hit list. Oh, yeah. Well, we, we know there is a Clinton body count. Uh, so this is nothing new. You probably don't want to be on any list that Hillary Clinton has on her person. No, I this don't think so. You don't think so? What? I don't think you want to be on the list. No, no. This is, this is, you can die. With Unless two, you're on her friends of Hillary list. That'd two, be good. Two shots to the head uh, with the gun in your left hand. This is not a good list to be on. This is very, very bad. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. like to start off, John, real quick with a quick uh, thank you to Joe from uh, HealthySurprise.com. We, I got another box. Did you get another box? No, I didn't get a box for a, a while. Uh, Adam, thanks. The for last the- box I got was, was not good. Well, we got something called Kale Nola in the new box. Kale Nola. I think I got Kale Nola in the old box, which was weeks ago. Uh, well, Joe, you got to send me an email uh, because you're still sending it to our old address. I got to uh, give uh, you Oh, you just got the old I box. So. That's what happened. Thanks for Bro. continuing to deconstruct the news. Your value-for-value value model really is the only way to provide unbiased coverage. Well, at least the biases you bring are funny and are aligned with the citizens as opposed to the security state. You have the great work. with love Joseph Winky, chief snackologist from HealthySurprise.com. Uh, there was some good stuff in the box. The kale Nola was interesting. <laughs> I'll try anything with kale in it. Oh, brother. I will. I'll try anything. Yeah, well, that's the Obama bots are getting to you. It's just a matter of time. <laughs> yeah, right. Marius Micklebuster, I want to thank him from Spiderberg, uh, Norway. Uh, I'm sorry, Speedberg, I'm sure. One, two, three, four, five. He has a note, by the way. I don't know that he's on the birthday list. His birthday, he wants uh, Scott... Uh, Kenneth um, Meeklebusts. Hold on a second. He's not on the list. So Marius. I don't know, but this whole thing's got a big black border around it, but he's not Mike, on the birthday list. Marius Meeklebust. And who is he congratulating? Kenneth. Kenneth Meeklebust? Yeah. And how old is he? Uh, he'll be 26. Okay. On? On the 15th. Okay. That's uh, on yesterday. And he has, you know, this kmsphotography.co.uk and 1000bodiesproject.com. We've talked about him before. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, Dame Tanya Wyman came in with $111.11, and she sent me a note by mail. The last few months have been so busy, and she's uh, one of our more illustrious dames, and so we will always read her note. The last few months have been so busy, I've become dangerously close to bonerhood for not donating. So please accept the mea culpa in the form of an enclosed making it rain donation by supporting John's exit strategy by calling Lady Nina to the stage. <laughs> are we doing that today or are we doing that Sunday? No, 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 we're not Sunday. doing it today. Sunday, but, okay. It, but she's got it. She's on the list. All right, good. I have two recommendations for my fellow producers, the book Oryx and Crake by Margaret Atwood, a remarkable dystopian tale encom- uh, encompassing no agenda memes hmm. such as corporate fascism, company towns, and genetic engineering. In the 1967 version of the movie Bedazzled, hmm. a hilarious black comedy featuring Peter Cook and Dudley Moore in a jaw-droppingly prescient, prescient final scene. Uh, best of luck to you both. I think I've heard of this Bedazzled. I've not seen it, but I've heard of I it. I have. It's, it's quite funny. Good. 
Rob Dodd, $111 in Shoreline, Washington. Huge fans. Give a shout-out to the boner, to Joel the boner, Delange. So I think a shout-out means a douche thing, a douche shout-out. Okay, I'll give him a douche shout-out. Douchebag. Javier Vasquez, $100 <laughs> in San Diego, California. We've got him on the birthday list. Uh, Amanda Scroy, I'm guessing, Scroy, what do you think? Uh, Scroy. A hundred bucks, and she's in South Bend, Indiana. She's working on her PhD. Um, Lafay King, uh, Muskegon, Michigan, a hundred dollars, and then we have a group of. Oh, I'm sorry. I was uh, I was in a completely uh, different uh, space. A group of sixty nine, sixty nine. A short group, but it's a group. It's Leif King, by the way. I'm reading his note. He says, oh, this sounds oh. like a safe with an L. <laughs> and he's uh, in Michigan. Uh, Jorge or George Alvarez in Council Bluffs, Iowa, 6969. Brian Barrow in Wooten Bassett, UK. Christopher Yagi in Kanata, Ontario. And Stephen Dew in uh, Newburgh, uh, West Virginia, and I think he sent something by mail, I think. And where is it? Yeah, he sent a, an unreadable note that had the ending of screw longhand. He just is in block letters. Mm. Thank you for your comedy, and you're welcome to my check, all of, all of it. Screw PayPal. I needed to send a long overdue swazzle enough because I've been getting laid regularly and I don't want to tempt the karma gods by running too high a surplus. So send me some 6969 <laughs> okay. right. karma to uh, all human resources and some new human resource will do that at the end of the list. All right. And my lady friend, get yeah. the get the lot lizards and LSD ready for my eventual knighthood. Okay. Lizards and, and LSD. Oh, okay. PayPal again. All right. 69, 69, dudes. And this is uh, an interesting one from Ty. Uh, yeah, Ty Muckler sent um, 69 in. He's out of New Jersey, Union City. He's a longtime listener, now in need of a kidney transplant. He hoping for some kidney transport plant karma. We have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. You've got... Karma. He's, he's on dialysis, yeah, I'll, probably. I'll tell you. I'll tell you that um, a friend of ours uh, gave his kidney to someone who was in need of a kidney, and it's it's uh, it's a lot easier than it sounds. No, it is. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like three days in the hospital, and then you're out, and um, you 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 a little bit of bloating maybe because you've been opened up, uh, but it's not. It's not the the horror syndrome that it used to be. It's a pretty you know, if you can donate a kidney to somebody, it's pretty doable. Huh. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm uh, always in awe of people doing this kind of thing, by the way. I'm like David Hazan in Brooklyn, New York, sixty six sixty nine. At least Stevenson. Hold on, hold stop. on, hold on. I gotta say hi to David. He's been helping me out a lot on uh Turkey translation stuff. He speaks Turkish? He does. Good. Lee Stevenson, Stockholm, Sweden. Uh fifty five fifty five Maxwell Roberts. What is this color? Oh, this is because it's a douchebag call out. Double nickels on the dime. He wants to call out Scott McLaughlin for being a douchebag. Douchebag. Bill Hutchinson in Shido Park uh, in Australia. Double nickels on the dime. 
Uh, he uh, will have a birthday call out. Stephanie Lusby in Midlothian, Virginia. Double nickels on the dime. Scott Carbon. Parts unknown. Double nickels on the dime. Timmy Koch. K-O-K-K-E. Koki. Uh, double nickels on the dime in Kulemborg, Netherlands. How do you pronounce that name? Kulemborg. No, not that name. Oh, Koki. T- Timmy Koker. 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 Timmy Koker. Sir Stephen Nelson in Wheat Ridge, Colorado. Wheat Ridge. Ian Chafee, uh, Los Angeles, California. Which should say anonymous, but it doesn't. Um. Mark something. I I got writer, reader, reader. I don't know. Or make, M-A-I-K. I think Mike Roder, probably. Roder, did, you get, did that come through on your spreadsheet? No, I'm just guessing. Heidelberg, home of the Heidelberg Press. Josh McDonald, Brunswick Victorious. Chris Lewinsky, Sherwood Park, Alberta. Huey Chris. And finally, 50 oh. bucks each. Those are all Huey. $50. And Cameron Smith and Wangery. New Zealand, a nice name for a town. He's got a birthday coming up. Anonymous in Putney, Virginia. Walter Grant the Fourth in Moreno Valley, California. Stephanie Johnson, Saginaw, Michigan. Mike Westerfield, uh, our regular, I think he's a Sir Mike Westerfield. Brandon so, Savoy, parts unknown. Alan Delon in Luxembourg. And finally, Philip Meeson in Pows. UK. And then uh, just going back to Bill Hutchinson, he has a birthday call out, but also an F cancer for his friend whose seven year old daughter has stage four brain cancer. Ouch. Yeah, so let's do it. You've got karma. And I had a make good uh, from uh, Marky Boy from uh, the Devil's Toilet, Florida. I'm an 11-11 monthly donor. I've been for three years, just donated $100. This was uh, uh, earlier in the week or Sunday. Due to John's newsletter, the window lickers at PayPal didn't accept the note I wrote. Could you please call it uh, Ewan, 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 and Stacy as sponging donor douchebags? Douchebag. Marky boy from the Devil's Toilet, Florida. Don't want to miss those douchebag calls. No, no, I, wanted to, I always want to try and get the, uh, the call. And then there was somebody... Oh, I, I guess I forgot to write this down. Somebody pulled it, made a joke on us with a name. Uh, you know that it was like my cockazard, Mike, Mike Cockazard, Mike Mike yeah. Ocazard See or more butts. Yeah, Mike Ocazard. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, we're so busy. Like I don't know how you managed to do that on PayPal, but okay. Well, regardless, the fact that we didn't catch it because we're so busy. I don't know doing the show. Doing the show. Doing yeah. the show. Very funny. Like, yeah. Ho, 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 ho. Ho. Yeah. All right. Uh, a couple other little notes. I got um, Eddie uh, Ching sends a note. How does one sign up for the newsletter? It's on every single episode show notes. It's on noagendashow.com. It's everywhere. It says, sign up for the newsletter. Exactly. Let Another me Google guy, that uh, Catman uh, in Laredo, donated a small amount, but he said that he wanted to make sure that we knew that 1124 show, that's how far back he is, was excellent. Oh, thank you. And he likes the Freddy the Firewall character. <laughs> well, uh, luckily somebody does. Anything else? Or can I, uh, can I, I think wrap that's this up? All right. oh, what the, hold on a second. What the hell is this? iTunes just opened up? Hold Why? On. I don't know. And it says... What is it doing? I don't know. It's it's asking me for some what? What? Follow the pipe. This is the weirdest thing. <laughs> I, I, so I must have hit 
An AI effect. I'm sorry, my whole computer is now frozen because of iTunes. Hold on. What the hell? You know, iTunes is one of the worst pieces of garbage ever oh. perpetrated on the American public. The, the 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 population of the world, not just the American public. It's it's like it's a resource hog. All right, everybody. Uh, we will have another show on Sunday. Just a couple days, and we'll have more deconstruction. I think I think we've provided some value for you. You've learned about one two triple three. Hello, one two triple three. Like it's I'm all there. legal. Yeah, thank you. Dvorak.org slash na. Vasquez celebrates today. Happy birthday, along with Cameron Smith, who says happy birthday to his beautiful wife, Anna Lucia. Arna Lucia. So CR. <laughs> She's celebrating on the 19th. Bill Hutchinson turns 37 this week. And Marius Michael Buss says happy birthday to Kenneth Michael Buss, who turned 26 yesterday. Happy birthday from all your friends here at the best podcast in the universe. It's your birthday, yeah. And so we have Beth, who's going, uh, she's getting her sword play today. She'll be the dame of Ba. Is it B A J? Is Baja? Baja, Baja, Arizona. So, okay, if you uh, you have your since we're playing with swords, do you lower have your, Arizona? You have your sword today. Do you have your yeah, here big it is. sword? Okay, here we go. Beth Borazon, step forward. Thank you very much for supporting the No Agenda Show and the amount of one thousand dollars or more. And we are very happy to welcome you to the round table, which includes all of our knights and our dames. And I hereby pronounce the Dame of Baja, Arizona. Beth, welcome to the No Agenda Knights and Dames Round Table, where for you we have Cuban cigars and single malt sach, cannabis and cabernet, opium and warm orange juice, hookers and blow, or rent poison chardonnay, hot pants and booze, winches and beer, vodka and vanilla, bong hits and bourbon, sparkling cider and escorts, or plain old mutton and mead. For you, go to noagendanation.com slash rings, and thank you again for your support of the program. It uh, is the only way that we can continue to do the show, uh, since we have no advertising, no underwriters, nothing like that, nothing of the sort. Nothing to corrupt our opinions. No, nothing at all. Nothing. Let's see, uh, what else did I, there was uh, some other things that were going, oh yes, Russia. Ah, Russia. Russia, Russia, Russia. Uh, now, I, I, the, Brian, our gay crusader, uh, who I have to say, um, I thank him for his courage because he's going to... Uh, we've, he's he's going to get himself in trouble. Yes, he's going to get himself in trouble. He realizes it. Um, but he is so mad about the continuous propagation of these lies about the... Particularly if you compare it to how LGBTQI, QQI people are treated in other countries, including these United States. Um, for, and, and he's mad that his communities are being used for political reasons and that people are, so, you know, people are, are all on board with it. Uh, so there's a couple of things that, uh, that have happened in just this uh, past week regarding the so-called gay laws, gay hate in Russia. And the Netherlands is at the top of the list, the list right now. Um, as, I, um, as I think I told you, the king and the queen, along with the prime minister, are all going to the Olympic Games, and the Dutch are outraged. And the Russians, they came right back and said, oh, uh, really, Holland, really? What they probably said quietly is, if you don't shut up, we're going to turn off your gas. But they said, oh, really, Holland? Uh, we have this little report uh, this little report about human rights in the European Union. I've put, the, I've taken the liberty of uh, uh, putting a marked-up copy of this uh, report in the show notes, which you'll find at 583.noagendanotes.com. 
Report on the Human Rights Situation in the European Union. It's a very interesting document. Um, I'll, uh, they've taken it from uh, publicly available sources. This is the Russians retaliating, saying the European Union continues to position itself as the main outpost in the struggle for human rights in the world, but its own legal activity in this area does not correspond to these claims. In the European Union, space still remain for, for some unresolved issues concerning the implementation of the EU Charter of Fundamental Rights. The this is a, a legal thing, which I thought was interesting. The inclusion of the Charter in the Lisbon Treaty has not changed its limited application. The Charter applies only to the activities of the EU institutions and its member states in the case they implement the U.S. legislation, which they haven't. Um, so Russia is basically saying, you know, you guys are a bunch of hypocrites. Shut up. And the Netherlands in particular was called out. And, and every single, they have a little blurb on every country. I only highlighted the Netherlands because the Russians basically made a big deal out of it. Uh, among the areas of concern in terms of respect for human rights in the kingdom of the Netherlands, attention is still drawn to the situation with illegal immigrants and asylum seekers. Now you have to know that the asylum seekers are all thrown into these little cabins which look like jails and people are committing suicide in them and they're, they're catching on fire and like 24 people are dying uh, uh, just because of, you know, they're, they're stuck in this little wooden box. And then they go into the, you know, the Netherlands being pretty much open house for pedophiles and uh, child pornography. Uh, and they have, you know, open source information to, uh, to back up their claims. Uh, so, so well worth reading uh, if you check out the show notes. Uh, here's the things that are interesting. Um, Heineken is once again going to sponsor the Holland House at the, uh, at the Olympic Games in Sochi. And uh, they're getting a free pass uh, for some reason. Uh, Heineken said, oh, you know, we, uh, we, uh, we talked to the uh, COC, which is the, uh, the big gay organization in Holland. And we, uh, we, got a, we were informed and we think we can still sponsor the, uh, we can still sponsor the, uh, the, the Olympic Games in the Holland House. And, of course, not a single publication in the Netherlands is calling them to task because, oh, I don't know, they're a huge advertiser. Um, here in the United States, we, of course... Uh, continue to uh, propagate the lie that there is some new, that some anti-gay regulation, kill all the gays, you can't be gay, you can't talk gay, you can't even think gay, you can't even want a blowjob from a woman that looks like a guy if you're going to Russia. And what we have done is we have, the president, as you recall, has uh, put together a team, and what was this team, John? This was uh, known gays and lesbians to go to the Olympics to uh, make a stand. Was this your impression of what happened? There. Yeah, that's what I thought. And uh, and, and and on this uh, was the uh, Billie Jean King, a uh, known uh, lesbian, and she's there to make a stand. And she was uh, talking about this on one of the morning shows. And wouldn't you know, it turns out maybe not so. As one of five members of the U.S. presidential delegation, Billie Jean King, good morning. Good morning. It's great to be here. This delegation includes three openly gay members. And Which is funny, actually, because Janet Napolitano is also on the delegation, and she's not counted as one of the three. Ah! <laughs> Good catch. But there's, she, she's going, but they put up the three, and it's Billy so Jean. who's the one straight person? 
<laughs> I don't know. But uh, no, I think Probably not straight. I'm sure they're all gay now that you mention it. Yeah, it was a Napolitan. I'll, I'll look it up while yeah. you're doing it. As one of five members of the U.S. presidential delegation, Billie Jean King, good morning. Good morning. It's great to be here. This delegation includes three openly gay members. And, of course, right. the, a lot of people view it as, as, a, as a gesture to the Russian government, which recently passed strict anti-gay laws. Mm-hmm. Okay, stop, stop, stop. This, this makes me mad. Did you hear what he said? Yeah, they passed a bunch of anti-gay laws. Strict anti-gay laws. The word gay is not even in the law. And it is about propaganda of alternative lifestyle to minors. That's it. There's no word about gay, lesbian, uh, any LGBTQQI at all whatsoever. This is a lie. As one of five members of the U.S. presidential delegation, Billie Jean King, good morning. Good morning. It's great to be here. This delegation includes three openly gay members. And, of course, right. the, a, a lot of people view it as, as, a, as a gesture to the Russian government, which recently passed strict anti-gay laws. Mm-hmm. Did you- and she's going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, because she didn't read them. You discussed that with the president anyway? No, did not. Oh, wow. Gee, wait a minute. The president, I thought he was pretty much taking credit for sending these people there. No, 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 didn't talk about, not at all. Didn't even, didn't even come up in conversation. Not for a second. Really, no. Did you discuss that with the president in any way? No, did not. No? We have not been told what to say, not to say, which is kind of nice, actually. So what do you see your role as? I think our first job is to represent our country and our president. Yeah. By the way, nice trip. Free trip. Yeah, to Sochi, which Sochi, is a nice part awesome. of it. So right on the, uh, on the Baltic Ocean, I believe. This is it's a bonanza. Be- These are the trips you want. Yeah. Private planes, helicopters, limos, food, all the chicks you can bang. And also our job is, this is, you know, the Olympics are really first and foremost about the athletes. And I think I don't want anyone to lose sight of that because these these athletes have worked so hard. I mean, when we spoke with you back in August, we asked you if athletes should protest. And back then you said that's sort of a hard one. What do you think now? And I I would have to imagine that Rule 50, which a lot of people don't realize Uh exists in the Olympics, plays a big role. Yes, I think that probably uh, came from the fact when John Carlos and Tommy Smith raised their their arms about civil, uh, civil rights, uh, human rights back in '68, I think the rule probably was written after that Rule 50 because it and bans it, all political it bans demonstrations. They're not supposed to protest or demonstrate, and if they do, they can have their medals stripped and they can be sent home. All right, um, you know I'm one of those crazy people who then goes and looks at Rule 50. Please, Rule 50. Advertising, demonstrations, and propaganda. Uh, The IOC executive board determines the principles and conditions under which any form of advertising or other publicity may be authorized. No form of advertising or other publicity shall be allowed in and above the stadia, venues, and other competition areas which are considered as part of the Olympic sites. Commercial installations and advertising signs shall not be allowed in the state. This is an advertising clause. And then in one line. No kind of demonstration or political, religious, or racial propaganda is permitted in any Olympic sites, venues, or other areas. It's pretty much the same as the Russian law against uh, propaganda to minors for alternative lifestyle. You're not allowed to propagandize any alternative lifestyle. It's the same. 
And that's all. And the rest is all uh, about advertising. What the logo can be, where it can be displayed, how big it can be, no, no greater than 60 centimeters from, you know, 6 centimeters, 60 centimeters from the, from the Olympic logo, headgear. Cannot, it's all about advertising. And this one little line, your Rule 50, is exactly the same as the Russian law. No propaganda permitted for religious, political, or racial propaganda or, or any kind of demonstration. And the president didn't even ask her to do anything in the first place. So you think this was a bunch of bull? Let me now. Now let me just tell you what's happening in the United States. I'll just give you four headlines: arrest made and beating of man by mob of twenty outside gay bar in Cleveland. Man's nose broken in Capitol Hill gay bashing. Uh, gay man allegedly attacked by Cleveland mob in hate crime. You see the problem here. And if I could get a million of these for the Netherlands, where the Moroccan immigrants have turned Amsterdam, the most gay-friendly uh, city in the world, to my knowledge, into a place where people, uh, especially gay and lesbian couples, don't even want to hold hands on the street anymore for fear of being beaten up. And this is a misdirected anger, particularly from the LGBTQI community, who are so mad... But they are directing their anger towards Russia improperly and not dealing with the stuff that is no, happening no, they're right they're next having door. their anger directed. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. They are being directed, but it's misdirected anger. Right. I agree. And look at what's happening in your own home. And this, all this protest is because they are angry about what's happening to them personally, and it's being, you're right, it's being directed towards Russia for completely, uh, pr- for real political reasons. And I have to tell you, I'm so tired of this Cold War. I grew up during the Cold War. I'm tired of it. It's, it's no fun. And, it, and, and it's too bad it's kind of working again. How stupid are we? I'll never forget going to Moscow in 1988. Or 89, before the wall came down, for the Moscow Music Peace Festival, and I was told about the KGB, and the, and every hooker was KGB, and they'll be tapping my phone, and it's all a police state, and everything's horrible, and I remember looking out of the uh, 35 camera truck with a direct satellite phone connection to Long Island, I could pick up the phone, had a Long Island dial tone, and saw this little gray bus, Lada bus, which was the KGB thing with little curtains, and I thought, holy crap, we thought these guys had some technology, they got nothing. And it turns out... No, they out- had nothing. It was really funny, because I was there around the same time, and I was staying at the Mirror, uh, which is spelled M and backwards are and it was uh it was a diplomats hotel before they'd commercialize it for the public even though it was still before the fall of the of the of uh, communism and so everybody there so there are all these maids you know there's some woman at each floor you have to say hello to and all the rest but they had microphones planted in there and the microphones had they're clearly microphones but the, the, the but they were planted there God knows when and they had been painted over yeah from like li, layers and layers. you could chip the paint off and find the microphone but it was just like they didn't care it was just mm. they were, it just the whole thing was so shoddy Bogative. it was like Bogative. you had to feel bad I've said this before Ronald Reagan when he got elected made a big deal about the evil empire the evil empire and he went on and on and on about it until he went to Russia 
Yeah, right. Exactly. He went to Russia and never used that term again. And and he's the one who worked with Gorbachev to get things together. Bring the wall down, yeah. He apparently went there and saw what was going on. It was horrible. Yeah. And, and and but this propaganda. So we have this Dave Satter, and he's been all over the news. This guy must be a CIA operative or something. They're, oh, I got kicked out of Russia. I'm a journalist. I got kicked out of Russia. Uh, well, we really uh, and actually, uh, props to Brian. I'm not giving his last name yet because I don't I, I I don't want him. He, if he wants to use his last name on the report and everything, that's up to him. I don't want to be outing him the whole time, so to speak. Uh, he did the research on this Dave Satter. First of all, the guy was working for Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty. Hello. You know, yeah. And uh, and he essentially, he didn't get his uh, his visa in time. It expired November 20, uh, before the 21st. And uh, the, the, the Russian authorities even said, hey, man, you got to get your visa together. And he didn't. And then he reentered and they said, get out. You know, and now he's making a big deal. Oh, they're kicking the journalists out. Woo! Shut up, people. Shut up. And then the Nobel laureates pen an open letter to Putin. Actor Ian McKellen and 27 Nobel laureates have written an open letter urging Russia's president to repeal an anti-gay law, which is not true, ABC News. It's not an anti-gay law. And expressing their solidarity with critics of the legislation. Ugh. It, it tires me and uh, tires. Well, you know, we're not, we do this sort of thing. We've been doing it forever. And it's funny to see the old-fashioned versions of it here and there. And and they, you don't get to hear too much of it. But there, the Iranians have, you know, have you done a deal with them? And they come out and tell their people essentially blatant lies about how it came down. But it's really not that much different than what we do, only it's kind of funnier. Because we think that, you know, that this isn't going on everywhere. But play my Iranian blowhard clip and see some other people doing this sort of lying. Today, President Hassan Rouhani claimed his government won a victory with a landmark nuclear agreement. Under the deal, Iran is to scale back its nuclear enrichment in exchange for economic sanctions relief over the next six months. Rouhani told supporters in the city of Awaz that the U.S. and others cave to Iran's demands. The Geneva Agreement will be put into action within the next few days. Do you know what the Geneva Agreement means? It means the surrender of great international powers before the great nation of Iran. The Geneva Agreement means the breaking of the barrier of sanctions that had been imposed wrongfully on this dear and peace-loving nation of Iran. Iranian hardliners have criticized the deal, arguing it infringes on Tehran's right to nuclear enrichment. Yeah, this is the this is the thing that Israel is so incredibly angry about. Uh, they feel that they've been sold down the river, and I I believe this part of this is why um, the minister of is it um, defense, the defense minister? What's his name? Hold on, I have it. Could be. Uh, his name is uh, Yalon. Where he said, uh, eh, "John Kerry is a messianic thing. Get this guy out of here." Yeah, right. He was the he's the anti Kerry yeah, blowhard. Like, another blowhard. Yeah, he's like, why don't you give him a why don't you give him a Nobel Peace Prize so we can just that's all he can get him out of here. Messianic. Um, yeah, he says he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, well, he doesn't. Well, that's probably true, but who does? <laughs> yeah, well, and and I totally. 
am on board that, you know, we, we're discounting this guy. You got to think John Kerry wants to make a run as well for 2016. We haven't really looked at him carefully. Well, it's a good point. We haven't. We haven't considered him as a possible candidate. Because he's the kind of guy that, you know, he it would his ego almost kind of warrants it, you know? Uh, so there was all kinds of things showing up in the in the Federal Register about Iran. Let's see. Uh, January 15th, and this notice is to inform the public that the President of the United States determined on November 29, 2013, blah, 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 the NDAA, uh, consistent with prior determination, there is sufficient supply of petroleum and petroleum products from countries other than Iran to permit a significant reduction in the volume of petroleum and petroleum products purchased from Iran. But then right below it, we have a determination from the Secretary of State that says... Um, as amended by the Iran Threat Reduction and Syria Human Rights Act, as of November 29th, each of the following importers of oil from Iran has qualified for the 180-day exception. And I believe this is what uh, uh, what uh, Rahani is uh, celebrating. Uh, so for 180 days, the following countries have an exception to purchase oil from Iran. India, Malaysia, the People's Republic of China, the Republic of Korea, that would be South Korea, Singapore, South Africa, Sri Lanka, Taiwan, and Turkey. I guess that's uh, that's kind of the the win there. I guess. And then there's an Iran Russia deal that uh, that uh, seems to be concerning. It's very small, one point five billion dollars, but it's uh, I don't know, man. I don't think it's. I I think that things are fine. Although, you know, the guy has to do the blowhard thing. I yeah. mean, it doesn't surprise me because when Kennedy, you know, forced them to pull the missiles out of uh, Cuba, I was a kid then. I remember all this. And we took all this credit for making the Khrushchev back down. Yeah. In fact, yeah. it was a quid pro quo. They, yeah. they, they told us, yeah, we'll take the missiles out, but you got to get those missiles out of Poland. Exactly. And so we pulled a bunch of missiles out, and then we pulled the same stunt that this guy did, which is take credit for the whole thing. Those Russians are... You know, they backed down. They, we backed them down. This is nonsense we don't need. There's a funny uh, funny little thing in Israel. Um, Israel's Ministerial Committee for Legislation approved a bill on Sunday that would forbid the use of the word Nazi in any form, as well as words with similar sounds, for any reason. Use of the word Nazi would be allowed only for educational purposes, documentation, historical or scientific research. Offenders face up to six months in prison and a fine of uh, 100,000 shekels, about $28,000. If you use the word, the draft, the law also outlaws insulting someone by wishing or expressing hope that the Nazis' goals should be fulfilled, as well as lamenting the fact that the Nazis failed to achieve their goals. They've got to write this down, man. We've got to be very careful. You can't call anyone a Nazi anymore. However... The bill does not prohibit calling actual Nazis Nazis. <laughs> well, there's your out. <laughs> this is, what you know, people. I mean, seriously. What are you regulating here? History. Free speech. Yeah, free speech. I have one last clip because it caught me off guard. Uh, the Chinese have relaxed a one-child rule, and they, uh, they've started to relax it some time ago by allowing only children to have two child children. But then now it's just pretty much wide open. 
And I was thinking because the Chinese love children so much uh, that they would go into start having a bunch of kids. And it may not be true. In fact, the uh, situation, because I think I think the Chinese culture has actually changed just enough with all this capitalism that they've in, inserted that the Chinese don't want to have more kids. And they and, and this report kind of outlined some of it. Food safety standards in China are terrible. In the supermarket, I always go to the imported food section. When my child was very young, we used to order milk powder and even nappies from Japan over the Internet. At that time, a can of milk powder was more than 30 euros. China's birth rate is now below 1.5 children per woman. That's one of the lowest in the world. Many experts like Zhuo Shuijing say the one-child policy is now irrelevant. Over the long term, the birth rate in China will be very low. Other Chinese communities like in Taiwan, Hong Kong, Macau have the lowest birth rates in the world. And over there, they don't even have any birth control policies. The percentage of senior citizens in China will keep increasing in the future, which will impact the sustainable economic development of our country. So there will be big problems. This aging demographic and a limited pension system have direct consequences on China's birth rates. Many young couples must sacrifice the money needed for a second child to financially help their elderly parents. And you know what? This all happens? Well. 2030. 2030, <laughs> baby. And what are we calling it? The China, the Chinese disaster of 2030. I don't know. The what Chinese population disaster of 2030. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, I think that's a good one. 2030. Uh, I have a different clip to play us out with, and uh, we have not done Turkey, but this is actually good because um, I have a couple more things to study. You know, some 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 real crazy crap is going down in Turkey uh, as this uh, the Gulenist uh, versus the. Uh, uh, essentially versus Erdogan. Uh, now the Gulenist uh, police force raided the Humanitarian Relief Foundation, which is a Turkish non-governmental organization known as the IHH. These are the same guys who sent the flotilla to Gaza. Right. And uh, and the Gulenists were against that to start with. So now it's, you know, the power play is, is getting pretty obvious. But there's a couple more things that I that I'm looking into. This is very very complicated because as a Westerner, I, you know the culture, the understanding, the Sunnis, the Shiites, the post of the Caliph, the Caliphate. All these, it's it's I'm becoming a student of this, and I'm it's very very hard uh, to to get a real grasp on all of it. Um, and you know and 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 I still think it's it's got to be kind of our standard operating procedure. You know, it's like we need to have some form of control over this very important geographic area because of the pipelines and the train tracks that'll be going through it. And so we just create a storm internally. And then, you know, then our guy stands up, I guess. I, you know, I, the, the, it's, yeah, that's the way it's it kind of the way it works. Either that or we just leave rubble. Yeah, but it's too important. Uh, I don't think Turkey it's, can't be left in rubble. No, I don't think it's going to be left in rubble. Um, however, I do have a, a Nigel Farage clip from the European Union. And I don't even have to ask you. I know you love listening to Nigel. Um, Nigel. 
making Nigel. plans for Nigel. And uh, he, uh, 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 this is his welcome to the, you know, the, the presidency of the European Union uh, changes. And, uh, and just to add insult to injury, Greece is now, uh, uh, maintains the presidency of the European Union. And Nigel Farage is the kind of guy who welcomes everybody in with open arms. Well, I must congratulate you, Mr. Samaras, for getting the Greek presidency off to such a cracking start. Your overnight successful negotiation in the trialogue on Mythid, I'm sure, will have them dancing in the streets of Athens. Uh, no matter that your country, uh, very poorly advised by Goldman Sachs, uh, joined a currency that it was never suited to. No matter that 30% are unemployed, that 60% of youth are unemployed, that a neo-Nazi party is on the march, that there was a terrorist attack on the German embassy. No, don't worry about all that, because the trialogue on Mifid has been a success. And in many ways, it sums up the two Europes. The Europe that's talked about in here by the dreamers who want to impose a new United States of Europe with an identity and a currency and the real world out there. And you come here, Mr. Samaras, and you tell us that you represent the sovereign will of the Greek people. Well, I'm sorry, but you're not in charge of Greece. And I suggest you rename and rebrand your party. It's called New Democracy. I suggest you call it No Democracy. Because Greece is now under foreign control. You can't make any decisions. You've been bailed out and you've surrendered. Democracy, the thing your country invented in the first place. And you can't admit that joining the Euro was a mistake. Because, of course, Mr Papandreou did that, didn't he? He even said there should be a referendum in Greece. And within 48 hours... The unholy trinity that now run this European Union had him removed and replaced by an ex-Goldman Sachs employee puppet. <laughs> we are run now by big business, big banks, and in the shape of Mr Barroso, big bureaucrats. And actually, that's what these European elections are really going to be all about. It's going to be a battle of national democracy versus EU state bureaucracy. Whatever you may say in this chamber... The people out there don't want a United States of Europe. They want a Europe of sovereign states trading and working together. And I believe the European elections are going to mark a watershed. Up until now, everybody has thought, much as they may not like the development of the European Union, that it was inevitable. That myth of inevitability will be shattered for the European elections this year. Thank you. <laughs> I love it that he brings up the the Papandreas was replaced by a Goldman Sachs shill within 48 well, that's hours. True. Yeah, you, you forget these we, things. We, we have to remember that one of the precepts of our show is that this is all leading to a great civil war. Yes, which may start in Turkey. Well, it's going to start somewhere. Yeah, that's why we want to go to Europe this summer and enjoy it while it lasts. I think it's probably a good idea. By the way, you heard, you heard something in there which one of our producers caught and, and turned me on to, the big, this, you know, big government, big whatever he was saying. I'm seeing this crop up in climate change conversation as well. Big heat, big rain, big wind. Yeah, keep your eye out on it. It's, it's, uh, this is the new thing. It's big. We'll see big. lots of big heat. Big heat. Big heat. Mm-hmm. All right. Yes, so I, I got I got my turkey stuff for Sunday. Um, got some vaccine stuff for the swine flu, which is interesting. Uh, we have to talk more about car, probably. Central African Republic. There's some good copyright stuff uh, hearings at the on C-SPAN, which I picked a couple of clips out of. Oh, good, 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 good. And uh, it's very interesting. Some of the thinking. Yeah. 
Oh, I have some uh, some good scholastic legislation from uh, New York, which will knock your socks off. All right. Well, good. So we have stuff to look forward to. And, of course, there's always something new that will crop up. It's what we do. So you don't have to. Just in time for the reboot, eh? It's getting there. Coming to you from FEMA Region 6 here in the capital of the Drone Star State. In the morning, everybody, my name is Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where I expect my machine to be auto-rebooted. Thank you, Microsoft. I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Sunday right here on No Agenda. See you then.